Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're rocking with the most awesome missing. The Carl Nelson Show. You're rocking with the most awesome missing. All right, let's go. Takeover Classroom. Dr. Taylor is a political scientist by trade. And this morning, Dr. Taylor explained why the Israel Hamas issue is forcing many blacks to take positions. Dr. Taylor also uh, addressed the voter recall in California, crime and law and order, and abortion issues impacting the 2024 elections. For Dr. Taylor, though, psychologist Dr. Jason Anthony will provide information on how to respond to youngsters with anger management problems. But to get us started, the Reverend Dr. Julia Robinson is here to update us on the fight to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Roberts, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for Dr. having Robinson. me today. Can you hear me? Uh, and I understand you. Yeah, we can hear you fine. I understand you're on with, uh, with Paul Pumphrey as well. But here's what I want you to do for us, uh, uh, Dr. Robertson. Give us an update on what's going on with the fight to save that black cemetery. And before you do that, I always ask you to give some background because we're always getting new listeners. There's got a bunch of new yeah. listeners who looked at the last uh, rating trend. So they probably are not up to speed on what's going on and, and what you and your group have been doing for, uh, for probably going into years now. So tell us how we got to where we are right now. So Dr. Marsha Coleman Adebayo and her husband, Reverend Dr. Sigun Adebayo. Uh, uh, Dr. Robertson, can you do us a favor? I think you're on a speakerphone. Can you get to speak directly into the, the phone? Okay. Sorry the about acoustics that. Acoustics are better. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Is that better? Yeah, it's a little better, so, but go ahead. We'll see. Okay. So ultimately... Dr. Marsha Coleman Adebayo and her husband, Reverend Dr. Segun Adebayo of Macedonia Baptist Church, have led a social justice campaign for the past nearly nine years. Ultimately, they are protesting in every way possible the desecration of a cemetery where the formerly enslaved African and African descendants were buried in Moses Macedonia Cemetery on River Road. The community that buried its dead in Moses Cemetery was a thriving community of the formerly enslaved. They had homes, they had businesses, car repair, a bowling alley, a restaurant, and they were able to maintain that community until the Ku Klux Klan and um, other unjust organizations tricked them or beat them, forced them into signing over the deeds to their land. And so the bodies of the people who were buried in Moses Cemetery have been left, but we have a descendant community, people who still identify Moses as a cemetery and recognize that 
their ancestors were buried there. And so what has happened in the interim is that the um, county executives and developers have excavated more than, I believe, more than a thousand bodies. They have dug into the cemetery 800 feet down to the bedrock. And when you go to the site, it has a feel of a cemetery. You have the sensation of people who were once there. So I'm an attorney, but I'm also an ordained minister. And one of the things that is so deeply troubling is the concept that the body may dissipate, but the spirit is eternal. And so in this instance, we are seeing a desecration. If you go to the site right now, there are dump trucks, cranes, excavators, all kinds of heavy equipment that have dug up rib cages, femurs, bones, biomass. And biomass simply means that the people have decayed to the point where their internal organs and blood have seeped into the ground. And as it says in the book of Genesis, the blood cries out. And so BACC, through its very effective leadership, has taken this case to court. We won a 2021 decision in the Maryland state court system where the judge wrote an exhaustive opinion declaring that a stay, a temporary stay, should be ordered because once a cemetery is used for the placement of the dead, it must always be used as a place for eternal rest of the dead. So ultimately, when the county executive, Mark Elridge, um, gave the authorization, and we have emails to prove this statement, when he gave his authorization to go ahead and uh, dig up the bodies, he did promise that if human remains were found, that he would stop the desecration and call the authorities because, in fact, it is a crime to dig up human remains. But what he did instead was he pretended that there were no bodies, there were no remains. He recanted his statement, which was made to Dr. Michael Blakey. And um, they kept digging and digging and digging. So we have photographs. We have 30,000 photographs that show tombstones, coffins, bones, and ceremonial objects used when the dead are buried, bottles, um, remnants of other objects. And so this outrageous dereliction of duty on Mark Elrich's part is something that has to be addressed. The bones and other items that were taken were rolled over by steamrollers and crushed and then steamed, presumably to destroy any evidence of DNA. And they took away, I believe, over 100 dump trucks of soil with bones in them put them in landfills, and traffic the bones to different locations. We were recently 
informed that there are 200 bones from Moses Cemetery. Mark Elrich knows where they are but refuses to order their return. And so we have had several encounters with Mr. Elrich to ask him politely as we try to give back the bones, but he refuses. And instead, he tries to, excuse me, obfuscate and say that, well, there were never, there was never a cemetery there. There are no bones there. But the truth of it is that if you put in, excuse me, Moses Cemetery into Google, dozens of documents come up indicating the presence of a cemetery. His own emails, which were obtained through Maryland public information requests, indicate that he was told in 2020 that there's no way that there aren't bones there. So he has been informed over and over and over again, and he is not telling the truth. But this isn't about Mark Elridge and his dereliction of duty. This is about justice. And this is about the love that we have for the sacrifice that was made by those people in that cemetery. And so, you know, for people who want to pretend that they didn't exist, it's not enough that they were stolen from their land. It's not enough that they were forced to work on tobacco plantations. It's not enough that children, little girls as young as five years old, were used in a horrendous way after the end of the transatlantic slave trade in 1807, the United States decided to engender a slave trade that was built upon impregnating little girls and selling the babies to other slave states. And I want our listeners to really think about that. So the virtue of our children was not protected. And so many of those little girls died in childbirth or they died as a result of the sexual violence and they were thrown in the mass grave part of Moses Cemetery. And that history has to be told. It's very interesting how Mr. Elrich tries very hard to obfuscate and and conceal that part of American history, very much like Ron DeSantis in Florida. But we won't stand for it because ultimately our lives are precious. Our contribution to this region and to American society is indelible. And so not only are we facing um, the, the obvious crime that has been committed, but it's also a crime against humanity. It's an atrocity for which we seek redress. And so one of the things that I wanted to do today is to read the referral to the FBI regarding the desecration of the cemetery. Um, Congressman Jamie Raskin did indicate that his office would ratify our effort um, to have the FBI and Justice Department do a thorough investigation and to bring all of those people to justice who participated in this conspiracy. All right, 12 after the top of the hour. Just waking up, folks. We're still fighting to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. With us this morning is the Reverend Dr. Julianne Robertson, and she's mentioned she's also an attorney, and also she's got Paul Pumphrey with us. And she's giving us an update. Now they've taken the fight to the feds. All right, uh, Dr. Dr. Robertson, go ahead and, and read that report that you sent to the FBI. Absolutely. So I'm going to read 
from the referral from BACC. Congressman Jamie Raskin requests that we file this urgent report concerning the desecration of Moses Macedonia African Cemetery, MMAC, which is in his district. The desecration destroys criminal evidence. The week of June 29, 2020, saw 200-plus possible black human remains unearthed in Bethesda, Maryland, the site of historic MMAC. MMAC is an undelineated burial ground owned by a private developer with a permit from Maryland National Capital Park and Planning Commission. The permit was, permit was predicated on the condition that construction must halt if violations occur, such as excavation of funerary objects or possible human remains. Mark Elrich, Montgomery County Executive, wrote that if possible human remains were found, he would halt construction. Elizabeth Hughes, State Historic Preservation Officer, confirmed that desecration is a crime. Funerary objects, tombstones, and possible human remains were found and removed from MMAC. The first weeks of July 2020, Thunderbird Archaeology staff found bodies and labeled them Bono prior to testing or physical examination by a bioarchaeologist. Staff from R.W. Murray and WSSI confiscated glass bottles consistent with bottles found in other black cemeteries for personal possession and or disposed of them without authorization. BACC possesses over 30,000 photographs. Some are forensically verified. On July 21, State's Attorney John McCarthy toured the site and wrote to BACC's lawyer. The project appears to be in compliance with planning board directives of the excavation. This is contradicted by MPIA documents showing that bones were discovered weeks before his visit. These bones were not tested. On July 27th, with a permit from Maryland National Parks and Planning Commission, mounds of untested soils were trucked to a landfill where they were crushed and steamed. BACC members followed the trucks and recovered dozens of funerary objects, including bottles, hair picks, etc. Developers unearthed a concrete slab resembling a tombstone. Renowned bio I'm sorry, renowned bioarchaeologist Dr. Michael Blakey asserts the fact that Montgomery County administrators would allow a descendant African American community to be torn about their ancestors' disposition, defaulting, in his view, to the position that they may have been desecrated, shows a deeply disrespectful attitude towards these tax-paying citizens. Montgomery County's refusal to allow him to freely observe the archaeological excavation and the bones it had unearthed by 2020 further reveals impediments to the community's human right to verification. Emails throughout 
August 2020 between Boyd Sykes. Well, hold on, though, right there. I'm sorry, Reverend Robinson. We got to take a short break. I was, I was looking no problem. I forgot about the time. We got to take a check the traffic and weather in our different cities. We're back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And the DMV are on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Absolutely. So I wanted to go back just very quickly to a quote from Dr. Michael Blakey, who is among the world's best and most well-known bioarchaeologists. He's responsible for the project in New York, the New York burial site. And he said something in this quote that I think resounds deeply, which is that Mark Elrich's behavior shows a deeply disrespectful attitude towards these tax-paying citizens. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One of the things that we're very concerned about is a callous disregard for the African-American community in not just the state of Maryland, but in Bethesda specifically. Ultimately, the tobacco empire that was built by the enslaved was the foundation of the wealth that people enjoy so conspicuously in Bethesda. And to be able to ignore the contribution of the enslaved and then to steal the land from the formerly enslaved and now to continue to harass or disregard the people who are fighting for the recognition. Mark Elrich deployed the police during a town hall meeting about a month ago. And as we wanted to talk to him about the bones that we would like him to return, it turns out that six or seven police officers came up from everywhere very, very quickly. Um, They happened to surround me, and I asked, well, are you going to arrest me? Are you arresting me? Am I free to go? And it was a tense moment where I believe Mark Elrich wanted me to feel intimidated. But so many people have given their lives, have died, so that we could have the opportunities that the American system provides. So who am I or who is anybody to do any less? So that's why we're here today. And I just wanted to finish reading the um, the referral. So it says, um, Dana Coleman indicated that some bones may be human. Weeks after their discovery, Coleman commented on a photo of bone fragments, and she indicated that she was unable to identify the fragments as conclusively non-human. So what we're asking for is 
the return of the bones and a process where the Justice Department really looks into the developer, the money, the authorization process, and the politics behind a county executive who blatantly tells an untruth. You know, and, and this isn't defamatory for me to say this because truth is the absolute defense, and we have the emails. So those are the things that we want the public to know, and we're very grateful for all that you're doing to uplift this issue. Well, let me jump in here for a second, uh, Dr. Robertson, because, you know, have, have this been any other group that had a, a cemetery desecrated? This has been national, international news. It would be an uproar from their community. So far, and I've, I've spoken about this before, it's, it seems like our folks have, have really just laid down. You know, they've just, there hasn't been the, the vigorous response that I know that when, we, when we talked about this earlier, what happened in New York, when people saw they were doing the same thing in lower Manhattan and, and our brothers and sisters went down and, and in front of those bulldozers and tractors says, no, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do this to our community. I'm missing right. that. That's it, what's going on in Montgomery County. Why so? Well, the media, corporate-owned media, WOL excluded, has failed us. And, you know, with the exception of you and and, uh, another news outlet, the media is ignoring our issue just as they are um, ignoring the impact of Ron DeSantis in Florida. They're ignoring the impact of police shooting unarmed black people and black children all over the country. And these issues are related because if they can dig up the bones, if they can obscure the records, they don't have to pay survivors the reparations that are due. And that's aside from the fact that all of the reparations money is now being thrown into Israel, thrown into Ukraine. So, you know, a country that is founded on slavery, forced labor, has evolved into a country which continues to hold deeply racist beliefs. But our job is to not forget what was sacrificed so that we could have that Mercedes-Benz, so we could have that gold jewelry and the mink coat and the big house. Those are not the end. Justice and righteous indignation, that's what we're supposed to be feeling right now. It's not for me to tell people how to feel, but when you look at the evidence and you connect the dots, it's crucial that we allow our hearts and our compassion and our self-love as black people to spur us into action. I've seen Marsha Coleman out of bio give everything so that this movement can continue. I've never seen anything like it. And so it's our job to support her. But we got some folks who want to talk to you. Before we do that, though, Paul Pumphreys is with you. Paul, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fine. Uh, what 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 is your issue in this fight now? What are you? How are you impacted by this? Well, one thing is that my family came to the U.S. Uh, back in 1624 uh, through Annapolis and then moved to Montgomery County. And I have watched through my lifetime, I'm, as they may refer to as a senior citizen, through my lifetime, I have watched 
and uh, read about how people were pushed out of their land um, in the Bethesda area, uh, in Scotland, in several areas in Montgomery County in the 60s and 50s. And, you know, this idea that greed makes right um, needs to come to an end. And then when we have politicians who come about and say, I support your struggle. I want to be a part of your struggle. I myself was the chair of the Rainbow Coalition in Montgomery County back in the 1980s. And Mark Eldridge came and joined the Rainbow Coalition, as well as Jamie Raskin joined the Rainbow Coalition. So uh, I've known him for a while. And obviously it appears today that he joined the Rainbow Coalition more because he was looking at his political ambition politically um, and saying that, oh, yes, I was part of your struggle. I was part of the Rainbow Coalition. But when you look at after he got into that political position where he could do something, he's fallen way short of what he can uh, of his powers as a county exec, and in fact has aligned himself with the developers and the issue of, of helping them to to make a uh, to make their profit at the expense of the black community. So I find a great deal of concern, uh, a man who would actually present himself as someone concerned about black people on the one hand, and then turn around when he's put into power as county exec, act just the opposite in aligning himself with people who are desecrating a grave of people of African descent and act like it's not important. He has misrepresented the truth multiple times. Uh, he has uh, had the county police come and, and basically try to intimidate us as we would be demonstrating uh, right there at, next to the cemetery um, construction site. And he's acted like, in fact, you know, uh, oh, uh, before he got elected, he was on our side. He was on the side of righteousness and justice. But after getting elected, it seems that he's been on the side of the developer who is trying to cash in on taking advantage of a piece of land that black people have been buried in. And so I find it extremely disgusting. I've watched uh, over the years um, County Park and Planning Commission uh, do a number of things that has uh, forced our community to have to challenge them on, in fact, the justice of, of what they're trying, you know, how unjust some of the acts they have done in the black community. I know that uh, back in the 60s, I watched them allow for a developer to build five-bedroom homes on a quarter of an acre. And adjoining that piece of property was a property owned by a black woman that was five acres. And she had four children, and so she wanted to subdivide those five acres. I'll so tell you what, hold that thought right there, Paul. we got to take a short break home. here. 
Paul, we got to take a okay. short break. Hold that story there. And when we come back, Charles in Baltimore has uh -huh. a question for me because this is really interesting, folks. They were fighting to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland, in Montgomery County. And we're not getting a lot of support. That's that's my concern. Basically, the fight, we're not, I'm not seeing a lot of fight from our folks on this. Uh, it's dumbfounding for me, for actually, for being around activists and over a situation like this. All and all hands would be on deck on this, blocking this. But some, some, for some reason, it's not happening in this part of the, of the country. Folks, what are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. 26 minutes away from the top of the house. I mentioned we've got to get caught up on the latest news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. We'll be back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 19 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Julianne Robertson, also Paul Pumphrey. They're in leading the fight to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, as we speak, bulldozers are there digging up the bones and remains of our ancestors and tossing them aside as, as they try to roll concrete over the area. And we're not hearing a lot of response from, from our community. And like I said before we left for the update, the news update, was the fact that if it was any other community... It, this wouldn't have happened. We can't allow them to disrespect us like this, folks. We've got to do better. Anyway, before we go back to uh, Paul Pumphrey's Paul was reading, uh, making a statement. Before we go back to him and take your phone calls, I must remind you, later this morning, we're going to speak with Dr. James Taylor. He's a political scientist by trade. He's going to explain the, the Israel-Hamas issue and it's forcing many blacks to take positions. And also he's going to talk about some of the issues impacting the 2024 election, like crime and, and uh, also abortion, law and order, all that stuff. He's going to talk about that. Before we get to Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Taylor, though, Dr. Jason Anthes, a psychologist, will be here providing information on how to respond to some of our young people who have anger management issues. We know, and this just seems like it's almost contagious around the country with some of our young people. And he, he, anyway, he's going to be here to discuss that. And later this week, you're going to hear from a journalist, Brother Obi. He's going to give us an update on Asada Shakur. She's in exile in Cuba, as you know. Also, psychologist, Dr. Ed Dr. Edwin Nichols is going to be here. Dr. Nichols is an industrial clinical psychologist, going to talk about the AI, artificial intelligence, and its impact on the black community. Professor Griff will be here from Public Enemy, and also Nelly Fuller Jr. will give us another installment on his tome on racism and white supremacy. But anyway, let's go back to Paul. Paul, as you finish your thought so we can take this phone call. Go ahead. Yeah, yes. Anyway, so the community got together and went to Rockville and complained about the fact of the unfairness of the planning board in actually giving the developer the ability to build these large homes on a quarter of an acre, but not allowing this black woman to subdivide her property where each house was on one acre. And finally, they backed down when we stood up. And that's, I think, the important lesson we need to know today is that we have to stand up and demand that the county does the right thing and that the county exec and that these different boards, such as the Planning Board and the Park and Planning Commission, uh, do the right thing when it comes to the Bethesda African Cemetery. And, in fact, bring a halt to the digging and destroying of the, of the land. Right. And let me just say this for the folks listening around the country. The area that we're talking about is it's a well-to-do area in, in Maryland, in Montgomery County, Bethesda, one of the richest areas in, in, the, in the country as well. And that, that may be an issue. But let me go to uh, Dr. Robertson. Dr. Robertson, 
there are some black members on the, the county commission in Montgomery County. What, what are they saying about this? Well, I want to be very clear. The overwhelming push to dehumanize black people and the effort to assimilate into the system are contradictory to each other. And so when we have black elected officials, very often their idea is to morph into the position that they've been elected to without representing their black constituents. And that's not a knock on them. It's not criticism. It's an observation. And what we ask is that they pay very close attention, not just to the electorate, but to the moral and ethical issues that underpin every decision they make. If you sell out black people, you are selling out everybody because our history is American history. Our contribution is the foundation of the fastest growing economy in the history of the planet. And so to try and deny that or ignore that or pretend that we don't exist is political folly. And it's also a moral outrage. So, you know, we understand that the governor is, you know, newly elected. And we did do a demonstration at a event that he appeared at last week. And it's important to understand that what's happening in Gaza right now and the United States supporting the genocide and wiping away babies, children, bombing hospitals is a violation of not just the Geneva Accords, not just the UN Declaration on Human Rights, but it is a violation of the very principles upon which all of the faith traditions are founded. So you can't be a Jew and kill hordes of people. That's not what Judaism is all about. You can't be a Christian, as the United States projects itself as this Christian nation. Jesus Christ gave his life so that we could live, and that's what we intend to do. Yeah, you know, if, what you're saying is absolutely correct, but I'm just thinking it's just falling on deaf, deaf ears right now because the people who are, who are continuing to what's going on, not, not, not over in Gaza, but uh, locally here in Montgomery County, because this is what we've got to do. We've got to, do you know how far they've got? Is it beyond uh, salvageable right now, the, the, the cemetery? Has it reached that point? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, our proposal is that the land be given to Bethesda African Cemetery Coalition to be used as a museum, library, performance space, and sacred space for contemplation, and to be marked as a memorial for the people of River Road and the community around Bethesda where African citizens 
African descendants were picking cotton and working under the most brutal conditions. And as that becomes a reality, then I think that people who have opposed this movement, and there are black people who have opposed this movement, will finally understand you cannot work your way out of your black. You can't dress your Wait, way hold out on, of Hold your on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> Reverend Dr. Robertson. There are black people who are, are siding with, with the Montgomery County on this? Oh, absolutely. And the county has made a fairly unethical effort to bring other churches and, and other leaders under his um, idea that we should be ostracized and we should be punished even uh, for our position on this issue. And I think that there, the day will come when they regret that. Wow, that's, that's astounding because, be you know, hold on a second, Paul, that's, that's astounding because some of their relatives could be buried there. In, in those, That's they could true. be digging up the bones and and the headsets and all of the other things that, that, that you know the parts of of, of uh, people that are that were buried in that cemetery could be directly, not just you know you know direct bloodline to some of these folks, and they don't care. What has happened to us well, one as of the a people? We need to be clear about one of the things we need to be clear about is that the county exec has been able to find monies to. Um, give to certain uh, black groups in mm. the county um, and supposedly to show how much he cares about black folks when basically he's using that money to play the game of divide and conquer. And mm. some people seem to accept the 30 pieces of silver um, as uh, people who understand some of the stories in the Bible understand what I'm saying when they are accepting the 30 pieces of silver that the county exec is offering them um, to take positions that doesn't serve the best interests of our community. Wow. That's, that's mind-blowing. That you know, but I guess with the, the, you know, there's so many of us out there, so many of them out there who would do stuff like that. But let me ask you this. For the people who are, some people are hearing this for the first time, and, and every time I hear it, I'm really astounded. But the, the people hearing this for the first time, are, have you made any connection to people who have relatives who were buried at, at that cemetery? Yes. Yes, in fact, have. one of the members of, yeah, one of the members of the church uh, actually, his family was living in that community and had, uh, they were the uh, offsprings of the former slaves that um, moved into their community, and their family were swindled out of their land in the 50s. Right. But he very clearly remembers when, in fact, the cemetery was an area in which, as children, they had no place to play except at the cemetery. So he remembers the tombstones and everything else that was there back in the 50s. But one of the things that happened during the 50s was that the developers saw green in the upper part of Montgomery County and the Bethesda area, and they moved from D.C. into that area to buy up the land. And a lot of the land they bought very cheaply because they swindled the African-American communities out of their land. And the county government backed the developers. Uh, so, yes, there are people that, in fact, 
are very, very uh, familiar with the area because they live there. Their family members live there, and they even had family members buried in that area. So um, clearly, but again, you got to remember this is something that happened in the 50s when those communities were pushed out. And so um, he himself now is a senior citizen, as I am, and that, in fact, he has uh, become ill. And so we're not even sure how much longer he may even be here to be a part of this struggle. But he has played a major role. Brother Harvey's played a major role uh, in supporting us because he knows the facts before his family was pushed out of that community. Dr. Robertson? Well, I want to say something that may seem conciliatory, but for those people who are deluded or who feel it's in their best interest to consort with the county executive and his people, but also for those people who are afraid it's important to understand that the power of loving forgiveness will always prevail over the unjust use of power that we're seeing right now. And so there's always going to be a time when there can be a meeting, there can be a phone call, there can be planning, there can be additions to the movement. You know, there are some black people who've been quoted as saying, well, we're treated well here in Montgomery County, which is, you know, in and of itself um, an unfortunate point of view, because what we're seeing in Gaza, we will see in the United States. What we see in Gaza, we're seeing right now in Moses Macedonia's cemetery. Do you know how ghoulish you have to be to dig up an entire cemetery full of people? But the core issue here is that I'm going to be very un, undiplomatic. White people don't see us as human. And that's how they can do the things that they do to us. That's how they can abuse people and exploit people and take what isn't there. But at the same time, we have to stand up and love mm. ourselves enough to collaborate. Right. And hold that thought right there, uh, Dr. Ma- Robertson. Ma- we got to take a quick break. Another quick one. break. Hold on, Paul. We got to take a quick break here. We got to t- take another look at the traffic and weather in Baltimore. has got to get caught up in the news as well. Folks, you want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. At, uh, six away from the top of the hour. We're back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB in the DMV. We're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. A minute after the top of the hour, we're continuing the fight to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. 800-450-7876 if you want to join this fight with us. And we'll be doing this for quite some time with us. We have the Reverend Dr. Julianne Robertson and also Paul Pumphries is with us as well. They were part of the Vanguard Fighting this Fight along with Sister Marsha Abadeo. But before we left for the traffic and weather update, uh, uh, Paul, you wanted to mention something? So go ahead. Yes, I wanted to mention the fact that clearly there have been a number of people of many different cultures as well as races that have joined 
the fight with us. Um, there have been a number of students, even from the local high school, who have come, who have come down and joined the picket line that we have put up from time to time and joined our rallies. And so it's not an issue really of black and white per se. It's an issue of right and wrong. We find that there are white people who take the wrong side, and we find that there are black people that are taking the wrong side. But there's also a number of people, both black and white and Asian and, and many other ethnic groups, who have stood up and joined with us in demanding justice on this issue dealing with this a graveyard. And so I just want to make that very clear, that there's been a united front of people. That front definitely needs to be bigger. And if we invite people who are concerned about it to, in fact, go to our Facebook page of the Bethesda African Cemetery Coalition, and uh, you can read and see some of the pictures that we've taken over the, over the years, uh, showing some of the evidence that we see of the developers and the construction people who are trying to hide the fact that this has been a graveyard. And here's a very important point. The developer claims that he's trying to build a storage bin a storage bin in an area within three blocks, you've already got five storage bin companies existing. And then he digs 16 feet below the grade level. Tell me any storage bin that anyone has seen where you had a basement two floors below the ground level for a storage bin. I've seen them go up, but not go down because it's of course, the more they dig, the more expensive it becomes for them to build a storage bin and make it cost prohibitive to have a storage bin there. So obviously, it appears to me that the developer has something else in mind besides a storage bin. But they used the storage bin, I'm quite sure, because the county had already made it clear, because of the amount of traffic on River Road in that area, that there can no longer be any more office buildings or apartment buildings built uh, next to River Road. <clears throat> but I think they used this idea of claiming that it's going to be a storage bin and then come back and say, well, you know, because of all these demonstrations, uh, it's now cost prohibitive to do a storage bin. So let us build an office building where we can have underground parking. Because that's if the I only may. Just rationale behind why they would dig a hole so deep. Right. And I'll let, there. let me just bring in the folks who are just joining us right now. Uh, if you just join us, uh, we have a Reverend Dr. Julianne Robertson. She's an attorney as well as an ordained minister. And also Paul Humphreys. And they're part of the fight to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. And with so many colleges between the DMV and Baltimore itself, have you enlisted the, the college students? Because usually when for change, we'd always go to the young people. They seem to have the energy that most of the older folks don't have. And right. they have the time as well. Some of them have the time to, to join this fight. Have you tried to engage any of them? Very much so. We have some brilliant young people who have come into our movement from Howard University, from the local high schools, and they work diligently and they have a unique perspective. I wanted to clarify something that I said a moment ago. Um, and I want to say it in the context of, 
even though we are completely enraged about what's happening at the cemetery, we are also opening the sacred space for expanded participation. So I used the term white people. And I apologize if that was offensive, but what I do want to point out is that people benefit from the system of white supremacy. And this human rights atrocity that we're experiencing here in Bethesda, Maryland, is an international issue. And so we're asking all people, because we are pro-people, to come into this movement to reorganize and redefine what it means to have power and use it wisely and justly. That's what I mean, okay? All right, I hope that's understood. Uh, yeah, no, fine. I hope that's understood. You guys should stay with us a little bit more because we really need to get into this issue. As I, as I mentioned earlier, and I mentioned each time you join us, this would never, never, never happen to any other community. The total yeah. disrespect that happens to us is just, it's just mind blowing that we, and we sit down and we accept it. We saw the situation that happened in Tampa, and I'm sure you're familiar with what happened in Tampa when they found out they were trying to, you know, uh, desecrate a black cemetery, and they went to the city officials and they, and they reversed their, their, their charges. They said, okay, all right, we respect it, respect this, uh, this movement that these black people were buried here, and they, they abandoned their plans to, to uh, desecrate the cemetery, and this is. How long has this been going on, Reverend Robertson? How long has this fight been going on? Oh, the um, it's nine years. That's nine years? Happened. Nine years. And wow. I have watched the Adebayos give of their time, their energy, their health, their safety. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm not paranoid and I'm not scared. But when I see people... Um, around me, and I pay very close attention, and they're looking at me, and then when I come by, they look away, or there's suspicious activity, but I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to continue supporting Marsha and Seguin in this movement, because this is what philosophers call a just cause, and the Holocaust, and the slave trade and the killing of Native American children in Canada, all of these issues are genocide, and, and now we're facing it again in Gaza. They're all connected because what we're asking God to do is to help us have a spiritual conversion where compassion prevails over greed. It's very simple, but human beings are slow to make that change. But this case that we're on right now in Bethesda is almost a textbook religious case and it's a textbook legal case. Right. So, Hold that thought right there because we got Dr. Jason Anthony on deck, our next guest. Before we go to him, if people listening around the country or those outside the country too and they want to help you guys, how can they reach you? Well, look up Bethesda African Cemetery Coalition. Um, we're all over Facebook. We're all over the Internet. There's at least one demonstration every week, and we're continuing to our activism for this cause, and we align with other causes as well. So look us up on the Internet. We are open to 
membership. We're open to donations, and we need support. All right. You got support here. And listen, folks, those of you just waking up, this is the fight to save a black cemetery in Montgomery County, uh, Maryland, in Bethesda, city of Bethesda, if, if you will. And it's, a, it's an upscale community for those of you not familiar with the area. And this is the black cemetery. As we speak, the bulldozers are out there raking up the remains of our ancestors. And we're going to keep, uh, continue to fight. So, I, again, I'm going to pledge my support. And just matter if nobody else is out there or any other media group is out there. But we're going to support you guys because that's what we're about, saving for black folks. We don't care about the other folks. But if, if you need help, just let us know. Anytime anything changes, please let us know. And we'll try to get the word out so we can get our folks involved in saving the, uh, this, this black cemetery. There are many of our ancestors. Many people who are listening right now, they, they have uh, relatives who are buried in that ground. So thank you for continuing that fight. Thank you so very much. We want to thank you so much for your support. All right. That's Paul Pumphreys and Reverend Dr. Julianne Robertson. They're leading the fight along with Marsha Abadeo to save this black cemetery in Bethesda and Maryland, folks. And we've got to give them the support. If those of you need to contact them, just reach out to me. I'll, I'll give you the contact numbers because I know a lot of folks who, do, who have radio programs on different platforms also to reach out to me at times. We will give you their phone numbers so you can get them on as well and get the word out. 11 minutes after the top of the hour. Dr. Jason Anthony, good morning, sir. Good morning, Dr. Charles. Good morning, Mr. Nelson. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear, Dr. Anthony. Dr. Oh, Anthony, we, we, we have, yes, yes, sir. We, we have some issues with some of our young people, you know, in, in, uh, in, in, in the DMV area, especially, and Baltimore. Young people, now, I don't know if it's a, it's a hobby or, the, you know, carjacking, though. We're talking people, you're talking to youngsters like 11 years old, 12 years old. Uh, really young people getting involved in in and behavior that, you know, that's inconsistent with what they should be doing. And I'm, I'm just wondering where, and we've talked to you before, but how do we deal with this issue with some of the, our youngsters who have seemingly anger management problems? How do we deal with it, Doc? Well, you know, a lot of these issues need to be dealt with at home as much as possible. And what we're seeing with a lot of kids today is that uh, they're seeking validation. They want to be validated. And they're not getting enough validation um, unless they're able to do something or perform uh, at a sport or do something. Um, but as far as who they are as people, just first, one thing about validation, um, you know, we have to instill skills and, and, and a foundation where they can validate themselves. It has to start within. Um, the validation process can be internal and external. But what, what's happening is, is right now we live in an age where we're looking for that external validation. We value that more than the internal work. And that, that's evident through social media. Just look at what's going on with social media and how people are, are so obsessed with likes and followers. Those likes and followers are just validation. So if we can, you know, parents, uh, leaders in the home, leaders in the community, we have to instill the ability to them for, for them to start validating themselves. And one of the one of the effective tools that I'm using as a parent is affirmation. I make a little, like a little rhyme and affirmation for my kids and I get them repeated every morning. I want to, I want to build a foundation where they're validating themselves, which lessens the dependency on external validation. So all these carjackings, all these acts of violence and crime that our young people are committing, they're screaming out for help. They're screaming out for attention. And it's the attention that a lot of times they're not getting unless they're performing at a high level. And, you know, one thing I want to tell parents to do is don't praise the actual, um, 
change that you're looking for. Don't praise the, the success. Praise the progress. Praise mm-hmm. the effort that you're seeing within our kids. So it, it, there's a lot of work to be done, but one of the, the, the things I'm really speaking on right now is the need for validation and how. Right. No, hold that though right there, not, Doc. We got, we got to take a short yeah. break, but uh, I want you to expound on the validation issue because it seems like social media, as you mentioned, so is the idea to get them off social media? Because they're seeking validation. They, they want likes. You know, all of a sudden they want likes. They want, want people to be, know who they are. If you right. can explain to us where that's grounded from, where is it just social media or is there something else at work here that we don't understand? Folks, you just join us. I guess he's Dr. Jason Anthony, he's a psychologist. He works with a lot of people, but he works with our young people too, trying to get this set straight. Because I know there's some people who, when our young people go left, they say, throw them, lock them up and throw away the key. Dr. Anthony says, no, we can do something much better than that. What are your thoughts? You want to chip in on this conversation? Reach out to us at 800 450 7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here after the traffic and weather update in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, or information is power. Just Dr. Jason Anthony. Dr. Jason Anthony, you may have seen him on the TLC uh, program, Ronnie Day Fiance. He's a, he's a consultant on that show. He not only does work with our young people, but he, you know, he's a full-fledged psychologist, but he likes working with our young people. And, and that's one of the problems we have with some of our young people. I don't just say all of them, but uh, a small amount of the young people, they're causing havoc in our community. And this is what we're discussing here, here this morning, and especially the young people in Baltimore, because I've heard from some folks in Baltimore, they just want to lock them up and throw away the key. Uh, Dr. Anthony says that's not the way we should go. Before we left for the traffic and weather update, he was telling us about the fact that uh, validation, a lot of our young people are seeking validation. So if you could dig deeper into that, is is this caused by the Internet or was this around before the Internet, uh, Dr. Anthony? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, you know, the Internet does, does have a role to play, and we can never diminish its, its impact. And, you know, what you said earlier about throwing, uh, locking them up and throwing away the key, well, you know, we got to think about the next generation. Are we going to continue to... To have a pattern of just of, of handling those situations in that manner, and what is that going to solve in the long run? So what we really want to do is we want to go back to the roots. We want to go back to the beginning, and you know one of the areas of validation is emotional validation, and that's the process of acknowledging and accepting someone's emotions, feelings, and experiences, uh, valid and legitimate, even if you may not necessarily agree with those emotions. And it's such an essential component of healthy and supportive relationships. And it can really be a powerful tool in helping people feel heard and understood. What our youth are telling me, when, when I work with them in session and in groups, they don't feel heard. They don't feel like nobody's listening. And what we have to do is start building a foundation where we can do some active listening. And active listening is a very simple principle, but a lot of us don't really do it when it comes to the youth. Um, because we, we know better. We, we have more experience. So why are we going to listen to you? But they need to be heard. They need to be listened to. 
Uh, simple things as making eye contact when you're talking to somebody um, is a very important way of active listening. Uh, to to restate what was heard, to repeat things that were said to you, to let them know, hey, not only do I value what you're saying, I'm going to repeat it back to you for that validation. And, you know, we can talk about the Internet. We can talk about the impact of it. It's profound. Let's not uh, downplay its, its impact once again. A lot of people are addicted to the Internet, and they don't realize it. This is a real thing that's happening today. And because of the excessive need to be validated, it's showing up a time and time again and how controlling it could be, how it could lead to certain behaviors. So once again, we have to go back to the root. We got to go back to the homes. We got to make sure we allow these young men to be boys. Let them be boys. Let them cry. Let them feel emotion. Stop telling them to man up. Stop telling them don't cry. Men don't cry. Um, what, what we're conditioning these, these young men to be men who cannot express or feel their emotions. And so they're going to express the need for these emotions, the need for validation in destructive, harmful, and sometimes criminal ways. At 24 after the top. But Dr. Jason, that's for the ones who are still at home. What about those who, who are hanging out in the street corners and, and many of our urban centers uh, as we speak this morning? They're going to be out there hanging out there aimlessly, no job, not looking for a job, no school. How do we reach those those folks? Well, you know, one thing, Carl, you know, you can't give what you don't have. And we want them to care about things. We want them to love society, love other people, love themselves. And it's very difficult when they've never been given that. So, you know, if if a young man is out there on the street right now, um, I would just first tell him to please look within. Um, align yourself with individuals that can help you, that can guide you, that can provide some type of outlets to deal with these uh, emotions. But most importantly, all you need is about one or two individuals that, that just want to listen to you, that will allow you the space to be heard so you can talk about some of these uh, emotions, these pains. We hold on to trauma. You know, the one thing about black folks, man, one thing we hold on to is trauma. And we normalize trauma. Things that are traumatic happen on a daily basis, and it's, it's, it's like regular life. And what happens, these emotions sit within you, and they rot you from within. So until you provide that outlet, until you get these emotions out, um, there's not much room for growth. It, it's like holding on to energy that has to dissipate one way or the other. So if you're not le- releasing it in a way where you're conversing, you're journaling, you're writing, you're, you're getting these thoughts out, you're going to uh, release them in very destructive ways. And that's what's happening. Um, so these young brothers out there, I would just, you know, if you can't align with somebody who can tell you, I love you, Make sure you say it to yourself. Start the process from within of affirming yourself and your value so you don't have to seek validation from external sources all the time. 26 after the top of the hour with Dr. Jason Anthony. Dr. Jason, with the complaint we hear mostly with these young folks when we talk to them, they, 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 they just, uh, uh, you know, just say, well, you let us down. You adults let us down. Our parents let us down. And they can't get into it. They just say they, they put the blame on, on us as adults. Is that fair? I think we got to take accountability to some extent, but I don't think parents are always to blame. But we got to we got to share some of the, the burden because we're, we're their first experience with anything emotional, anything that's relational. When we think about relations and relationships, uh, our parents are our first relationship, and we really get to learn about a lot of uh, how the world works and how we process emotions. So if you're in a home where there's yelling and arguing between the parents. Um, you are learning to relate to people in that way. So 
so, yeah, I think there has to be a certain level of accountability. Um, what I'm seeing with a lot of young people, there's a, um, a condition known as ECN, emotional childhood neglect. And, you know, a lot of parents, when they hear that, they get offended. Like, hey, I never neglected my kid. And, yeah, you provided, you know, you provided a roof over their heads. You provided meals to eat, clothes on their, uh, on their backs. Uh, Try to do your best. But were you there emotionally when they needed you to be there emotionally? When they were going through something, did you tell them, you know, stop crying? Or did you tell them, don't worry about it? Or did you downplay their feelings? Um, when they express, uh, you know, you talking to them in a way that hurt their feelings, and they say that, but a parent gets offended, and how are you going to disrespect me? I'm your parent. You just missed an opportunity there. So I just want to make sure that we do take accountability to some extent. Um, remember, our, our, our kids, the, the, the young teens today have been conditioned by what, they have, what they've experienced in life. So I think there is a low level of accountability, but I know parents are out there working hard. I know sometimes they're working two, three jobs. They're busting. They're, you know, you know, they're, you know what, out there to make a living. They're dealing with the stresses and the pressures of being people of color in this country and then having to come home and be there emotionally. It's difficult. I'm not knocking anybody, you know, but we just got to be mindful of its impact that it's having on our children. And when these children go out in the, in the, in, in the world, in these communities, they're going to emulate what they've witnessed, what they've been around, what they've experienced. So, yeah, I think uh, we do take a little bit of accountability, but, but these young brothers definitely got to stand up and take some accountability for their actions. 30 minutes at the top there with Dr. Jason Anthony. Dr. Anthony, you mentioned the Internet and seeking validation. What about the other aspect of the Internet? Some of the, the negative aspects that we see on the Internet of the, in the rap lyrics and, and some of these videos, how much of an impact is, is that having on our young people? Man, Brother Carl, these young folks are desensitized. They are so desensitized. And social media has a big part to do with that. Um, I saw a video that I don't know how it ended up on the on the uh, internet of a, a father and son being shot to death in a in a hallway in an apartment upstairs in a very small confined area, and it just kept playing and playing. I mean, it wasn't wasn't edited. It was just just raw. And I'm just like, man, you know, what if my kid, you know, was surfing the internet or on on social media and saw this this impact? I I can't get the images out of my head, and I'm an adult, so. One of the biggest issues I see is the promotion of violence, uh, the promotion of uh, derogatory lifestyles, uh, sexual immorality, just things of that nature. But overall, just the desensitized. Um, our young folks are just so desensitized right now uh, to so many things. It, they're numb to it. They really don't care. And that is the biggest impact I'm seeing with social media is uh, just the level of fear is just non-existent right now. Yeah, you know, uh, philosophers tell us that, uh, you know, when things get to the, the, the bottom or they got to the top, or they go to the zenith of an adir, this is for the teacher in college, if there's no more place to go, it has to come back. So we're almost to the nadir now, if you will, in what we're seeing on the Internet, on some of these these, these videos and some of these music, the music that our young people are involved in. It. And sometimes you wonder, can it get any worse? And then it does get worse. Can it get any worse? And we're hoping uh, that it, it's reached the bottom and, and then all of a sudden they'll you know, decide, well, hey, I'm not into that. It's just like the smoking thing now. Many people, young people don't smoke cigarettes. They're still smoking weed, but they're not smoking cigarettes because they've done it all. Do you think we're at that point where we've that, that nadir, that at the point that depth's so deep that there's nothing worse that can happen. It, it has to, the pendulum has to swing back. Do you think we've reached that point? 
Oh, man, that's a scary thing, Carl. I don't think we have. I think things have shown throughout history that it can progressively get worse. And we can't sit there and think that, you know, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to reset. Um, because we, 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 we've seen that it hasn't. Like, we've seen the opposite. Um, you know, we've seen rates increase. You know, when I think about suicide for young black men, you know, we're seeing the numbers just climb. It's it's getting worse. You know, the level, the amount of young people dealing with depression, anxiety, stress, and trauma is getting worse. Everything is spiking. Nothing is really coming down. Now, the one thing that I can say is that, that you know, being a therapist, I am seeing more people in therapy, more people of color going to therapy, going to counseling. And I just want to give a shout out. If you're someone who is supporting somebody in therapy or somebody who's going to counsel themselves, salute. Thank you for being part of the movement and being part of the change. And that, that's something that I want to say as a therapist. I've seen the number of uh, people of color coming to therapy, looking to help, looking to heal from traumas, looking to fix relationship issues with family members and, and spouses. A lot of marriage counseling numbers are up. But once again, we, we kind of run into the problem where just, there's not enough therapists. There's not enough therapists of color. So, um yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, we're yeah. going up on a break. When we come back, though, uh, can you explain to us why there is still a stigma in seeing a therapy in our community? Because you, as you mentioned, you said the numbers are increasing, but a lot of times there's still a stigma that people think you're crazy or you're nuts if you have to see a quote-unquote shrink, and if that's a pejorative, you know, explain that to me as well. Don't make light of it, because that's how it's talked about on the streets. Why is there still a stigma? And how do you know when you really need help, though? That's the key, because sometimes you you need help, but you don't know that you need you need to talk to somebody. So if you can explain that, I'd really appreciate it. As I mentioned, we've got to step aside and get caught up with the latest news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. It's 26 minutes away from the top of our family. We'll be back in four minutes. If you've got a question about any of these things that you're hearing we're discussing with Dr. Anthony, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also on the DMV in, on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. We're in Information is power. And good morning, family, and thanks for staying with us this morning. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Dr. Jason Anthony. He's a psychologist and works with a lot of our young people. He also does counseling for adults as well. You may have seen him on the uh, TLC series, uh, TV series, that is, 90 Day Fiancé. Before we go back to him, let me just remind you, later this morning, we're going to speak with black politics expert, Dr. James Taylor. I'm coming up this week. Uh, uh, journalist Brother Obi is going to join us, give us an update on what's going on with Asada Shakur. Most of you know she's in exile in Cuba. Also psychologist and industrial psychologist and clinical psychologist Dr. Edwin Nichols is going to be here to talk about the AI, artificial intelligence impact on the black community. Professor Griff from Public Enemy will be here as well. And Neely Fuller Jr. will give us another edition of his tome on racism, white supremacy. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio is locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Dr. Jason, uh, the, the stigma in our community of, of seeing, going to see people like you, how do we know when we need to have a talk with somebody else. How do we come to that, that space? What is it? And you know, why is the stigma? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting how you said that. And I think that's what we need to change the narrative when it comes to counseling. It doesn't need to be used as a emergency tool. It needs to be used as a kind of a way of life. We, we need to think about life. We, we, we receive counsel from various people in our lives. 
whether it's pastors, whether it's teachers, whether it's mentors, brothers, sisters, uh, aunts and uncles. So life, you know, we're set up to be um, counseled throughout various phases of life. And sometimes we get to the adult stage and we get to a, a stage in life where we're dealing with a lot of difficulty. And then we feel the need to seek professional help. So if we can just change the mindset as counseling is a way, you know, I, I refer to counseling as a checkup from the neck up, you know. Um, just how you would go to the doctor, you will go get checked out or if, if something is bothering you, bothering you, you'll get it looked at. But there's also preventative maintenance. There's preventative care that you will go and see a doctor for. So we got to start changing the conversation around mental health counseling and, and, and professional counseling to not so much something that we need in the case of emergency, but something we should have to sustain ourselves through our life and to have better relationships. But the most important relationship is a relationship with yourself. That is the most important benefit of counseling. You will come out of that situation better than you went in. And, you know, to talk about the stigma, it's still there. We can't pretend it's, it's not there. It, I think it's improved. I think you're seeing much more conversations on mental health, and that was one of the stigmas. Um, just the way it was stigmatized in the media, there was neg- negative portrayals about people with mental health, and, yeah, we're still dealing with some of those elements, but um, we're starting to see mental health conversations in, in churches, and to me that's significant because one of the biggest issues of the barriers was the association of mental health issues with sin. And, and the church, you know, had a lot to do with that. But we're seeing how churches today are, are you know, hosting mental health discussions. They're bringing in clinicians, uh, people outside of the church. They're recommending that their members go and see professional counselors. So uh, I think that's huge. I think that's significant. We got a long way to go, y'all. We, we're not out the, the, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. But I am seeing the stigma uh, changing in a sense that more people of color are coming to Counseling, but there's still a lot. There's still a lot of mistrust in the system. Right. Sixteen away uh, from the top of our doc. I, I got a tweet question for you, and it's a long tweet, but let me okay. sort of crystallize it. Uh, the the tweeter Lisa says she has a friend who's a, has a, a child, a, a female teenager, and giving her a, a lot of problems. And people tell it's it's just going through those teen years. The hormones are raising. The terrible teens, etc. But she wants to know. Should she, the mother, seek therapy? Because there's no way she can talk the, the daughter into seeking therapy. I just want to get your thought. Should the mother seek therapy, how to deal with this this rebellious teen daughter? Absolutely. 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 Um, and I don't know the situation, what's going on with, with that particular family. But what the mother can do is she can go and acquire some skills how to communicate more effectively. When I'm working with a teenager or somebody young, I often will ask to speak with the parents. I'll, I'll, I'll request a, a session with the parents. And the thing is, I want them to accompany me on this journey of getting their, 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 their child to a place they want them to be, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So part of that is, is educating the parents on how to properly communicate. Um, we're, we see a pattern where parents communicate the way they were talked to. Uh, or the lack of communication, the lack of emotional support. And we just see it being passed on from generation to generation. So absolutely, the mother should definitely seek counsel and and to be honest with the therapist as to uh, what's going on. But also, how did I contribute to this? Is there anything that I did or was doing that I contributed to? Is there anything I need to heal from? Am I continuing a cycle of passing on 
relational issues with, with children the way that my parents were with me. So it, it's, a, it's a time for self-reflection, but it can be t- a time for growth. And you'll be amazed what proper communication can do to any relationship. Think about it. It is the foundation of any relationship, how you communicate to one another. So if this mother can learn some skills and tools, absolutely she can communicate more effectively with the, with the child, uh, therefore uh, maybe allowing the child to get into the space where she's seeing a therapist. All right. I hope she's listening. 800-450-7876. Man 2 is joining the conversation. He's calling from New York City. He's on line one. Good morning, Man 2. You're on with Dr. Jason. Yes, I'm going to see the land. And uh, happy Black Solidarity Day to everyone. Um, there's a crazy as well as the uh, guests. Um, how does political education and cultural awareness play as far as describing what is called therapy? Uh, just a quick uh, anecdote. Um, in the 80s and 90s, while, you know, the crack area was high, um, you know, rampant, we had, it was a perfection, but we had uh, voices in the community that at least made us think of choices and options other than something else. It wasn't perfect, but we had, you know, the height of the uh, golden age of hip-hop, uh, public and especially fight the power. Uh, we had uh, Spike Lee. We had uh, culture movements. Uh, uh, we had black bookstores. Uh, there was a time there was a black love explosion uh, in New York where I was at. There was a black bookstore like every three blocks. So how does those things help in defining what is therapy and where do we go? And related to that, uh, have we is telling the truth about society therapeutic? Uh, do parents need to be more uh, aware of what racism is and what uh, those related ideas are and to help our children grow? Like I said, going back to the age of the crack, crack epidemic, um, it wasn't perfect, but we had options. We had voices saying to us there was another way. All right. Thank you. And, All right. Thank uh, you, Jason. What, what a, what a- yeah, that, there's a lot there, and I just want to thank you, man, too, for calling in and, and dropping some knowledge and uh, reminding us of Chuck D and Public Enemy and Flavor Flav and all those. Um, you, you are so right, and just look at the music today. We not only had entertainers, we had people, we had mentors. These were people that were speaking to us about our heritage, our pride, where we came from. Um, they were empowering us, and today the music depowers us. A lot of music today is not empowering. So we got to really look at the, the element of control that's happening with the media and, you know, what's going on there? What, why are these artists, entertainers not being played on the radio? People who are trying to speak righteous um, and help people out, they're not getting the airplay. They're not getting the, the, the limelight. Of course, everything negative is, is right now. So we, we understand that there's an element of control to that. And we have to really fighting against that. We have to start supporting artists who are out there empowering people. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of outlets that are closed up. And I think it really comes back to the ability to empower people, to make people feel um, important, valuable. And it goes back to validation. Those people back in the day were validating us when they told us about our heritage and where we come from. We come from kings and queens. So, um, and, and, and back and to the other point you mentioned about the parents, Absolutely. The awareness is key right now. Awareness is the, is the um, precipitous to change. 
anything that has to change, there has to be a level of awareness. Um, I asked my children, my, 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 I have a teenage daughter, do you think about hurting yourself? Have you thought about committing suicide? Um, these are real conversations. I'm not going to allow somebody else to have that conversation or, or say, man, I wish I did. No, we need to talk about things. We need to know how they're feeling mentally. We need to give them the space to, to express their emotions. And uh, the level of awareness, I think, has to increase. Um, the numbers are increasing, right? Like the, the numbers of suicide, the numbers of people dealing with depression, anxiety, um, uh, cutting and self-harm, these numbers are increasing. So we have to match that with the level of awareness uh, increasing as well. But, man, it's a great, great question. Thank you for calling in. And i got to ask you this, a turn away from the top there. You mentioned that uh, people are talking about suicide and, and the increase in suicide. What is behind that? No, there, there's many factors, I think. And um, a lot of young people are under a lot of pressure to be successful at a very young age. And it's, it can go into social media. It can go into uh, some of the demands, what's happening in society right now. Uh, it can go back to the lack of, of really um, being emotional. Uh, and, I, and once again, I mentioned about how these young people are desensitized. Um, but if you're desensitized, you're not expressing emotions. You're holding on to things. And when somebody hurts themselves, when somebody commits suicide, they're screaming out to cry for help. But the thing is that, you know, we can provide better outlets for these students, for these young people to be heard. I think schools, public schools, really have to step up. They really got to implement some emotional uh, counseling, some mental health counseling at a very young age. We really need to address these issues before they get out of hand. So we can sit here all day and talk about all the different factors that's going on. But once again, most importantly, uh, these young people need to feel validated. They need to, They need to have a sense of purpose in life. And if we're not giving them the foundation to develop or understand that purpose, they don't have the mindset or the skill set to really develop on, on their own. And therefore, it's a lot of confusion. Confusion leads to identity crisis, which leads to really devaluing themselves and feeling as though they're not valuable or tomorrow is not promising. And therefore, we're seeing these numbers increase. Eight away from the top. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Jason, you know, some of our Afrocentric brothers say if we teach our children who they are, they, they, there won't be any problems. They won't be trying to harm themselves. They knew about their lineage, where they're from, their African lineage, not, not just the, the one here in the United States. If they knew how great and who the people that they came from, it would solve all the problems amongst our youngsters. Your thoughts? Well, every other culture does that. I mean, when you, when you look at Asians, um, you look at uh, the Jewish culture, you look at um, all the other races out there, you see that element of of reminding them of their value through their heritage. And we don't do that. I think, you know, the black community is, is definitely probably the worst at doing that. And and, and as uh, the caller before, man, too, said, we had that. We had that in rappers. So the greatest platform that was ever created for us to express how we feel was through music. And it's been snatched away from us. We don't, we no longer control that element. So, it's so important to to go them back to the roots, to get them to read books, to take them to uh, museums, African museums. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of American culture, which they need to be aware of that as well. But where they come, where they where they come from, their their heritage, their, their original African culture, 
and how we lived and how we viewed each other and how we had love for one another and um you know the the community which which right now we don't see that in 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 our inner cities we see divisiveness we see fighting um uh, even between family members you know so absolutely brother Carl I think it's so important that we uh, get back to those roots all right, six away from the top of the hour. We've got to step aside and get caught up on the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. But when we come back, though, have some advice for some uh, parents who have uh, troubled teens and they're afraid of them. They can't, they can't speak to them. Just for, this is for the single mothers now. It's probably got a, a youngster, a young boy, and he just talks to her anyway, calls her out of her name and all that kind of Because I've heard that stuff. People have called and mentioned that. And they're definitely afraid of their own children. It, if you have some advice for those sisters, we'd appreciate it. As I mentioned, we're going to get caught up on the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. We'll be back in four minutes, though, six minutes away from the top of the hour, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning, family. Minute after the top of the hour, we're speaking with Dr. Jason Anthony. He's a psychologist. And momentarily, we're speaking with Dr. Taylor. But uh, Dr. Anthony, for the, the women, the young women, because as you mentioned, north of 70% of our black households are headed by single women. And some of them, and we had one who called up here. I got to tell this real quick. She has a son, a teenage son, a 10th grader. And he was calling her out of her names, hanging out at night and doing all kinds of stuff she couldn't control. And it was totally out of control. And she was, you know, just crying and sobbing on the radio. And by the time she finished, had three brothers who called up and says, well, give me that lady's address. I'll go out there and straighten him out for her. Because that's what he needs. What advice do you have to sisters involved in that particular situation? And those brothers who suggested, because they're suggesting, you know, getting physical with a young man, was, is, that a, is that the answer? You know, uh, it, it, I, I kind of like what uh, what was trying to happen there initially, but I don't like the violence part. Absolutely not. Um, the 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 main thing I got out of what you just mentioned about um, you know people reaching out is the support. That would be the first thing I would tell this sister to do is get help, get some kind of professional support or support of um, a, a man or somebody who. Uh, can give you that level of help. Now, for me, being a man of faith, support always starts with the Lord. I always got to go there first. I got to pray and seek his guidance and his, and his um, assistance and whatever I'm dealing with. So that, that's something that I would personally do first. But then also to also seek support, um, whether like what's getting from the community, professionally, from a family member, and have some type of intervention but the violence part, I don't think that's going to really resolve the issue because you're dealing with a young person that is hurting inside, that does not have a sense of purpose or direction. They don't really probably love themselves. There's no initial foundation of, of, of them validating themselves. So I don't see how the violence is really going to uh, impact them in a way that's going to change their behaviors. Um, ultimately, what this parent, parent wants to do is to establish a space where they can communicate openly with that child and that child can communicate openly with them. And that happens through a lot of positive reinforcing. You know, it, it goes back to the fundamentals of raising a child. you got to reinforce them with positive messages. You just cannot praise uh, the achievements and the things they do, which is a good thing, but you've 
got to also just speak to them in a very positive way. If they make a good decision, the absence of unwanted behavior needs to be praised. If you have a um, a kid who you're, you're getting on because they don't clean up their room all the time, and they go a day or a few days and that room stays clean, praise that. Praise the process. Praise the progress. And that's, that goes back to positive reinforcing. Another thing I would tell this uh, individual um, is to be self-aware. Really start to do some self-reflection. Examine your feelings and fears. Understand what specific behaviors or situations are you fearful of. What situations are leading to? What type of conversations can trigger that type of response? Maybe there's an alternative way to communicate that. Maybe there's a different way to say something and, and have it come out and be received in a different way. So that's one thing I would really is, is don't just overreact to situations and, and, and get angry and get frustrated and try to think you're going to um, change or impact this young person. It, it has to be a different approach. But most importantly, please make sure you're safe. Do not ever take for granted that somebody is your child. Okay, we, we see what happens across the country with young people uh, committing acts of violence against people they love, family members. So don't, don't be a fool. Make sure you uh, take precautions. Your safety is number one. But first, seek help. Don't do this by yourself. Another way to seek help is support groups. You're not alone. You, there are other women, there are other mothers, single mothers out there experiencing the same thing. Get together, communicate, learn some tools, have some support. So that's another uh, viable avenue I would tell this person to seek. But ultimately, you got to get some help. Yeah, uh, fortunately, uh, so many of our young uh, young parents are, are are in that situation. Doctor Anthony, Jason Anthony, before we let you go, uh, how can folks reach you? How can they follow you? You on social media? I know you're on the, the TV show TLC. Nine, was it Ninety Day? Yeah, uh, fiance. It's, uh, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's on TLC. Well, actually, the season finale was last week. But it's still streaming on different platforms. But uh, 90 Day Fiance, The Last Resort. And my official name is Dr. Jason Anthony Prendergast. Jason Anthony is my first name, but my last name is Prendergast. Um, and I'm on social media. You can find me at Dr. Jason Anthony. That's D-R Jason Anthony. Uh, you can reach out to me uh, via my website, www.edifycounseling.com. Edify Counseling is the name of my practice. I'm here in the South Florida area. And uh, just, you know, really trying to embody what a true advocate for mental health is. I love working with my people. I love seeing the progress. And I just want to say shout out to all the men out there who are coming into counseling right now. The numbers are up. Um, I'm very proud to see a lot of brothers want to work on themselves. And I just want to see that trend continue. So thank you guys. Thank you, Brother Carl, for having me on the show. I really appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Jason. And, and thank you for the work that you do with our people. You know, we're always trying to find people who are doing positive uh, programs, running pro- positive programs in our community. You're one of them, of course. You're, you're a valuable asset to our community because right now, as we still mentioned, there's a stigma when it comes to uh, getting counseling when we have issues, emotional issues. So I want to thank you for what you do. And hopefully we can continue this conversation because these problems oh. are not going away. I'm here for you, Brother Carl. You let me know. All right. Thanks, Dr. Jason. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Folks, that's Dr. Jason okay. Anthony. He's a counselor, psychologist. He works a lot with, with our young people, especially if you've got a trouble, the youngster, reach out to him on, on me, uh, social media and he will respond. 800-450-7876 or 8 after the top of the hour. Dr. Taylor, good morning. Dr. James Taylor, welcome back morning, to the program. Good morning, Carl. Thank you for having me back. Yes, sir. Dr. Taylor, uh, and folks, those, so many of you have heard him before. He's a political scientist by trade, teacher at the University of San Francisco. And as I mentioned, a lot of uh, youngsters try to fight to get in his classes out there. And you, if you listen to me, you'll understand why. But you're saying that uh, you're going to explain to us why the Israel-Hamas issue is forcing many blacks to take positions. Because so, so many of our folks I've spoken to I say, this, we don't have a dog in the fight. We, we just let these folks fight right. out by themselves. What say you? Right. It's Europeans against Europeans in the Middle East fighting each other, uh, pretending that they're indigenous people um, uh, being, you know, colonized by another. And there is a a colonial aspect to it. Uh, Israel, like the last aspect of Western colonialism from Africa, around Africa and Asia, where it's more of a military outpost than it is a country. It's more of a strategic thing that the United States created back in 48 with Harry Truman. And I think uh, the United States was the first country to recognize Israel or one of them. And it, it established this, you know, ch- this perennial problem. Um, and one of the things that you see happening right now is that black people are not even being asked to, they're being forced to take a position. It's almost automatically like, what, what's your position on Israel? And if you don't agree with the establishment, then you're stigmatized as anti-Semitic or racist or, or xenophobic. But the reality is that, you know, um, black people have their own priorities. And if you look at what's happening, it's really interesting where you see a lot of different black reactions. It's not one or two reactions. There's Umar Johnson. There's, um, you know, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus. There's Candace Owens. There's a range of black people who have opinion. And that's a good thing, that we have a diversity of, of black opinion. Um, but overwhelmingly, black America is, uh, has, has supported the Palestinians historically. But what people don't know is Du Bois and Garvey both supported uh, Her- Herzl, and the idea of Zionism. Theodore Herzl is the father of modern Zionism, H-E-R-Z-L. And he was a playwright. He was not a politician. Plays. He wrote a play called Das Judenstadt, The Jewish State. And that was the main uh, idea of propagating um, Jewishness in Europe. And uh, the Rothschild family uh, ultimately funded it. But I think black America needs to wake up and realize we're being forced to take a position. We, we hardly can take a neutral position publicly. Uh, if you're Kanye, you got to, you know, make, take a position. If you are um, a black celebrity and, and they're paying your checks, they're asking black celebrities to come out and speak on behalf of Israel. Um, but those who are speaking tend to come out on behalf of Palestine because of a long history that, you know, um, Palestine 
you know, if there's any white people treated like us in the world, it's, it's the Palestinians. You know, they're treated like black people, and they're going through it right now. But let's be clear, the Palestinians practically. Well, let me jump in here and ask you this at 12 after the top. That will come up on a break, though. Uh, the members of the so-called squad in Congress, they've been targeted by by both sides for supporting the Palestinians. Is this something we're going to see? The, the lawmakers who come out, who, who don't come out and support Israel, they're going to come under attack? I don't think lawmakers are going to come and support um, uh, Palestine. I think they will ignore people that support Israel and, and assume it and then take a hard stand against anybody who's critical of Israel. But the, the, the public opinion tide has turned. Just like the United States after 9-11, there was so much political will and support for the United States after 9-11, and then George Bush squandered it by going to Iraq, which had nothing to do with 9-11, and then it turned, the tide turned. And I said that Israel will quickly uh, lose the support that it had internationally as a victim if it went um, in the direction of of violence as it has, and now Israel has lost all support internationally except for hardline Israelis and, and people on this side of the planet as well. The uh, the, the the lawmakers in this country is, is uh, supporting Israel in this contest has become a litmus test, and we saw that uh, you know we look at it in the media. Fox News has gone all in, leaned uh, all in on supporting Israel. And they saw an increase in their ratings, and they're saying, uh, you as a political scientist maybe can uh, discuss this. They're saying that the, the Democratic Party, which was once the bastion of, of the of, uh, liberal Jews, are now switching over. They're watching Fox News, and they're, they're supporting Fox News, and they're supporting conservatism. So I'll let you talk about that when we come back. But we're looking at the clock. We've got to take a short break here. We've got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities. I guess this is Dr. James Taylor. It's Professor Taylor is a political scientist by trade black politics experts explaining what this Israel-Hamas issue is going to mean for us coming up in the elections. We're also going to talk about the elections as well. We're going to talk about the, the abortion issue because, you know, it's election day is tomorrow, actually. We're going to talk about the crime and law and order issues that are, that are being surreptitiously on the ballots for tomorrow. We're going to hit all of that. you got some questions. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010. WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95. 5.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour, we're talking politics with Dr. James Taylor. Dr. Taylor's a black politics expert discussing what the Israel-Hamas issue and other issues are going to affect the the upcoming election. We'll get a sort of a preview of tomorrow's election day in several areas. And one of the things that's going to be uh, on the on the docket as well, and also abortion and also uh, law and order and crime, all those things we're going to f- figure out if they're coming to play uh, in some of the races that are taking place tomorrow. But Dr. Taylor, the coalition, the put Biden in power is now is now under attack. As I mentioned, you got disaffected uh, liberal Jews who are now moving over thinking twice because they think he hasn't done enough. You've got folks who, who think he he's done too much. And you've got young people who are upset with Biden, especially young people, especially the Israel Hamas issue that they, they think he, he needs to put we're more on equality. Let's put it that way. Because if you say anything that's, uh, that's seemingly on the side of Hamas, you, you, you get criticized for it. And the young people are not having it. They, they want him to stand up more and show some, someone said, show some more backbone in this issue. And, and you've got black people who are upset with Biden as well for, on several different areas. 
What do you see is happening here? Can, can this coalition put him back into the White House? In the hot White House, but he's lost a great deal of support amongst young people and uh, Arabs uh, in general, Muslims in general, and um, and Black Americans. Uh, I think you know he doesn't understand that Black Americans remember how Bibi Netanyahu completely disrespected Obama and came here and spoke to Congress in regardless of Obama and without respect to Obama, and he would never done that to a white man. So even though Obama deserves very little accolades from black people in his policy positions, he nonetheless got treated like a Negro by Netanyahu. And, and, and you know, I, you know, people have Americans. Yeah, if you can get closer to your phone, because you, you, you sort of, Doc, your sort of, phone's sort of breaking up on us. So if you can get closer, I'd appreciate it. I'm saying that I think, you know, black Americans have to be um, attuned to what their own interests are. And, you know, you, the good thing about what's happening is you have black democracy happening. And what I, what I mean by that is there's a lot of black opinion. Mark Lamont Hill, uh, you know, is strongly Palestinian. Um, pro-Palestinian. But Umar Johnson is like, no, we should only focus on us. We understand what's going on with them. We've seen it before. We've experienced it before. But our priority should not be uh, the Middle East or Asia. It should be, you know, black America. And that's Umar Johnson's position. And there's a lot of people uh, in, in between, you know, between Mark Lamont Hill's position and Umar Johnson's position, um, and then I think most black Democrats you can't take sincerely because they're they're holding a party line. But Mark Lamont Hill, Umar Johnson, uh, people like that are going to be more independent of mine. And even if they oppose Israel, um, they're going to do it based on nuanced reasons and not for you know simplistic reasons. Uh, Mark Lamont Hill. You know, lost a job at CNN, and he's been consistently supportive of the Palestinians, and he advocates for the Palestinians. But Umar Johnson says it ain't none of our business, and we should mind our business here in America, focusing on us and not worrying about the Palestinians. So I think that speaks well about our um, diversity. Um, most people don't know this, <clears throat> but Du Bois and Garvey supported Theodore Herzl and the idea of establishing a Jewish state, and it was in Africa, in Uganda at the time. And Du Bois and Garvey supported it. But in 1972, at the Gary, Indiana Convention, where 10,000 black folk got together and, and Amiri Baraka was its you know, titular leader, they completely condemned Israel. And, and from that point on, from 1972 on, the black position has been a pro-Palestinian position, um, you know, you can find isolated statements by Malcolm, isolated statements by Martin King about the Palestinians and Israelis, but they were always under pressure to say something favorable to Jews because Malcolm and Martin were constantly called anti-Semitic. Um, and they almost were controlled by the fact that anything they said uh, critical of Jews would be, or of, of Israel, should I say, would be perceived as um, anti-Semitic. But we're, we're grown now, um, and black folk should be able to, like Kanye or Kyrie Irving, talk about Jewish people without whispering, because they talk about us. And Jews are 
deeply invested in black America. And they've always been since, you know, the New Deal coalition. Talking about coalitions, Jews were a major part of the New Deal, Great Society, Civil Rights uh, Establishment Coalition. And in the 80s and 70s, Jews turned on us and they betrayed us uh, and they created um, commentary, the magazine with um, um, uh, Irving Crystal. And it was a anti-affirmative action magazine. So Jews in America, their main opposition to black politics is affirmative action. Jews are the number one group in America across all groups who oppose affirmative action. Very few people know that. It's not the white conservative. It's the liberal Jew who opposes affirmative action in America for black people. And that's our main bone of contention with Jews in America politically. In the, new, in the coalition, in the New Deal coalition, is their advocacy of um, no welfare, no welfare state. They used to support a welfare state because they were afraid of what Hitler and Mussolini and the Spanish and the Austrians did to them. So they wanted a strong central government to protect Jews from, you know, um, discrimination. But Jews have become so assimilated in America now that they're just simply white. I have books. I have books called "How the Jews Became White," um, and uh, uh, and uh, along those lines, uh, you know, um, Gamal Nasser, the former president of Egypt, before uh, Anwar Sadat, he said the Jews left; they were black. He said they came back; they were white. And that's the problem with Jews in the Middle East, according to Sadat. Y'all, I mean, uh, to uh, Nasser. Y'all left black and you came back white. And these are, these are the Ashkenazi European Jewish stock, not the um, Ethiopian uh, Falasha stock. But I remember Menachem Begin, uh, when I was a kid, I remember watching a news episode where Menachem Begin, when they were doing the airlifts, I never will forget this. I was a child by myself in the kitchen in New York. And I remember Menachem Begin saying, these are the original Jews. He said that about the Falasha. He said, these are the original Jews, the ones from Ethiopia. Um, but yet they're, they've allowed themselves to be used uh, by the Americans. It was the British that created Israel. God did not create Israel. And any black Christian who's stupid enough to believe that Israel is justified in its action because the Bible says so is a fool. Anybody that thinks the Israelis are right because God is on their side is an ignorant person. And there's somebody that's such a biblical literalist that they can't even explain how the hell if God is on their side does Hitler happen? You cannot have chosenness and Hitler. Choose. You either get Hitler or you get chosenness. But you can't have chosenness and Hitler. And yet, sure, the Jews were chosen, and yet Hitler happened. Well, were the Jews chosen for Hitler? Hell no. But, but, but if you keep going down that logic, that's where you end up. Because how does this happen? The Shoah, S-O-H-O-A, use. Uh, we call it the Ma'afa 
M-A-A-F-A, the Holocaust of black people. It's called the Ma'afa. The Holocaust of Jews is called the Shoah. And there was a black man named Tim Black. He's dead now. But there's a book about Timuel, T-I-M-U-E-L, Tim, Timuel uh, Black. He was the teacher of both um, Jeff Fort and um, uh, the brother that Kanye said let out, you know, of, of, of the prisons so that we could get control over the uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Chicago gangs. Um, uh, but Tim Black was a, a well-known school teacher in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. So he became a leader, I mean, a teacher and a, a disciple of King, a very humble brother. He drafted Harold Washington when Washington ran in, in the 80s and won in the 80s. Tim Black said, and he died again about 93, 94 in the last five years. He told me of a story, and I listened to this black man whenever he spoke because I knew he had touched history. He said that black men liberated Dachau, D-A-C-H-A-U, Dachau. He said black men liberated Dachau and Buchenwald. And when those Jews who were emaciated, he said, saw him and other black soldiers, they thought it was black angels. They thought God had sent black angels from heaven to deliver the Jews. And Jewish people understood our relationship to them uh, with Martin King and the Civil Rights Movement. It's really since Reaganism that Jews have turned against the old New Deal, uh, Great Society, uh, Civil Rights Coalition. So Jews are still very liberal. Blacks and Jews are, what you, when you hear somebody say liberal, they really mean black and Jew. That's what the word liberal means in America. It's a code for black or Jewish in terms of politics. Um, but Jews are white, and that's the problem for black America. James Baldwin said black people are not anti-Semitic because they're anti-Jewish. They're anti-Jewish because Jews are white. And, and Jews got to recognize that you may have been oppressed in ancient Babylon, but in America, you the white man, you're not oppressed. And you, you do not get to your oppression in ancient Egypt, or which is no, there's no proof there was ever slavery. And that's the thing I think most Christians need to reconcile. This, this is a hard pill for most Christians. The Bible opens up a lie about 400 years of Egyptian slavery. There's zero evidence. There's not a piece of evidence. There's not a scintilla of any scientific evidence that the Jews were ever slaves in Egypt. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. And we got Moses. I mean, we, we got everybody but Moses. How can we find them? Ramesses, Tutankhamun, uh, Nefertari. We got all their bodies. We got their bodies and their treasures. But we can't find Moses. We can't find Abraham. We can't find Isaac. We can't find Joseph. We can't find nobody they ever bragged about in the Bible. But we can find Ramesses. And we can find, um, you know, 
And, and hold that thought right there, Dr. Taylor, because uh, you're bowling down somebody's alley right now. Hold that thought right there. We've got to take a short break or take the traffic and weather in uh, different cities. Folks, you want to reach our conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. You too can speak to Dr. James Taylor. He's a black political expert. Reach out to us again, and we'll be back in, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and the DMV run FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And good morning, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour, our guest is the black politics expert, Dr. James Tilley. He's a political scientist by trade, one of the best political scientists they have out there. He's out on the West Coast and teaching at the University of San Francisco. As I mentioned, the students are fine to get in his class each semester. And now you got him for free right here. Before we go back to you, though, let me just remind you, coming up in the next few days, you're going to hear from uh, journalist brother Obi. He's going to give us a report on Asada Shakur, as you know, she's been in exile in Cuba. Also, a psychologist, uh, Dr. Edwin Nichols will be here. He's going to explain the impact of AI, artificial intelligence, on the black community. Professor Griff from Public Enemy will also join us, and Neely Fuller Jr. also give us another tome, uh, another edition of his tome on racism, white supremacy. You know what he says. If you don't understand how the system of racism, white supremacy works and everything else that you think you understand only serves to confuse you. So they're all going to be here this week, so make sure your radio's locked in tight. If you're in Baltimore, you're on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Dr. Taylor, Leo's Calling from uh, Baltimore has a question for you. Leo's on line two. Good morning, Leo. Good morning, Brother Carl Nelson and Dr. James Taylor. I'm I'm wondering why why we do not see Benjamin Netanyahu as a threat to Black Africa. After all, we keep hearing about the Middle East, but the Middle East is located in Northeast Africa. I'd rather this area be referred to as Northeast Africa. We, uh, colonialism, white power initiatives, consolidation of white power, a nuclear-armed Israel, a threat to our existence. We are not prepared militarily to protect and defend that which is ours. And I would remind you that Netanyahu is the second coming of Adolf Hitler. Do we see what's really happening? Or are we going to roll over and play dead as if we're not under threat directly as a people? All right. Thanks, Leo. Thanks for your call. Dr. Taylor? No, I, I, think, I think the informed are, are, are paying attention. Those who are woke are woke. And those who are not woke um, are, are not interested in foreign policy. I mean, foreign policy is not something that all black people have interest in, even if it impacts their lives. It's usually the educated classes. Uh, that care about foreign policy, but I don't mean to dismiss those who are not, you know, some of the educated classes. Uh, the average black person in the projects or the neighborhood where we come from, they don't think this is pertinent to us. 
Um, they think this has been an unresolved conflict that's been going on forever. And the truth is it's been going on since 1948. And even then, it was like uh, 63 and 73 and uh, 67, the, the, seven year, uh, the Seven Days War and uh, different uh, Israeli encroachments that led to Israel taking the whole land. In this case, Israel is America, like the white man, the European, who comes to somebody else's land and took it over. The Europe, I, mean, I mean, Israel is America. Israel is the white man in America. What did the white man do? He came here and he took the land from the Native Americans, and he erased the Indians completely. They have been erased. And that's what Israel is doing. Israel is erasing their own first cousins because the difference in a Palestinian and an Israeli is a claim, but it ain't no blood. You test the Jewish blood and t- Palestinian blood, it's the same people. They're all Semites. What distinguishes them is their religious emphases and their claims to Abraham. All of these people belong to Abraham. The Christians, the Jews, and the Muslims are Abraham's seed, and they cannot get along. And you can ask a black Christian why, and they can't explain it. You could ask a Jew why, they can't explain it. You could ask an Arab why, and they can't explain it. How in the hell y'all got the same daddy, Abraham, and y'all can't even agree on what the truth is? And then you start making fake land claims. Well, if the Israelis have a claim to the land, which is some bull crap, then we all can make claims like that. God told James Taylor, Israel is his. Now, how foolish do I sound? God told let me, let me jump in God. and ask you this question, though, Dr. Taylor. What you're saying is college professors, they're not even saying close to what you're saying. And they're being canceled, especially on the Ivy League schools. Are you concerned that, that you might get some blowback on this for what you're just saying this morning? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, and because, because... I think we're on, a, on the right side of, um, of the truth. Black um, academics, um, you know, are clearly pro-Palestinian. They have been, most. Like I said, if you study the history of black politics and, on Israel and Palestine, you'll see in the beginning, we supported Jews. Garvey and Du Bois supported Theodore Herzl and the idea of the Jewish state. Theodore Herzl was a playwright, and so was Du Bois. And Theodore Herzl was an artist. Well, so was Du Bois. Read the souls of black folks. Du Bois was nothing but an artist. And Theodore Herzl's idea of Das Juden, Das Judenstadt, Das Judenstadt is German for the Jewish state. And Theodore Herzl put together a play as a piece of propaganda. So the way the Jewish state was established was through art, not through politics. Through, through Theodore Herzl um, advocating through art. And then there were other Zionists that came along that were much more, you know, pro-Israel, pro-Indigenous you know, uh, people, anti-Palestinian, um, that actually prevails uh, later. But the original idea of um, Herzlian, H-E-R-Z-L-I-A-N, Herzlian Zionism, Herzlian Zionism was not anti-Indigenous people, not anti-Arab. The Muslims welcome the, the uh, Jews because they first cousins back home uh, in 1948. They tried to settle in Uganda, but Idi Amin would not let them come. Uh, Idi Amin kicked them all out, and, and they call Idi Amin a, a cannibal and a devil. And it's, it's really sad what the West did to Idi Amin's image because I grew up, Idi Amin was a monster like Hitler or Pol Pot 
or move. Hopefully, I'm lost, Dr. Taylor. Yeah, because you're going in and out on us a little bit there, Dr. Taylor. So if you can get closer okay. to it. No, I would say uh, Idi Amin was yeah. focused on empowering black Ugandans against um, the, the Jewish presence in this country. But the Balfour, the Belfour Declaration, B-A-L-F-O-U-R, the Belfour uh, document is what the British used to create Israel in 47, 48. And then the British washed their hands of Israel. And now to this day, you would not know England created Israel. God did not create Israel. Yahweh, Jehovah, Yah, whatever you call God, God did not create Israel. England did. And then they backed out of it within five years. And then the Americans took on the issue of uh, Israel-Palestine. And then we got overly sensitized to it because of Hitler. The tragedy of the, the Muslims is that Hitler happened to the Jews, and the Jews have been punishing the Muslims for Hitler ever since. But the Muslims had nothing to do with what happened in the Shoah, and yet they are being punished um, uh, to show the world that the Jews will never let it happen again. So they'll continue to bombard and bomb and kill Palestinians, not for what Palestinians have done, but for, but for Hitler did. 80 years ago. And that's when Netanyahu gets his evil. Netanyahu is a demon. He's a demon. His own people hate him. His own people were trying to throw him out of office. The man restructured the Supreme Court, and that was a domestic issue in Israel until this bombing and attack happened. And then everybody's questioning, how is that possible? In Israel, with the way they completely control everything, how did October 7th happen at all. How the hell y'all let that happen? If y'all, you know, constantly every five feet. Well, let, let me interrupt you and ask you this then, though. though that, that's a great question, uh, uh, Dr. Taylor. Is Hamas able to right. Let, let me interrupt you and ask you the, this question, and Dr. Taylor. Or we're being, it, we're being told what happened. Dr. Taylor, do you think he did that deliberately to, to remain in office? Do you think that was done deliberately by Netanyahu to stay in office? I, I think Biden's in trouble. I think I think Biden has alienated key voter constituencies. That's only going to help uh, Trump and the opposition. I'm not saying uh, people are going to go out and vote for Trump because Trump doesn't have a policy position on anything. Notice this. Trump has shrunk in the face of October 7th. He's stupid. He's not a leader. He's not thoughtful. He has no real positions on anything. In fact, if anything, the bombing of, of Israel October 7th has proven that Trump is patently unqualified to be president. And stupid people like Sexy Red, who's just as much, much of a fake person as Trump is, that the white man created to destroy our black people, Sexy Red, she went around talking about, we need more, we need Trump back. This, I hate ignorant black folk. I don't hate them. I hate the ignorance of ignorant black folks. And she was spitting out ignorance out of context, talking about we need Trump back. But she can't explain why. And so there's a, a segment of us that have no opinion at all about Israel-Palestine. Those who do are typically pro-Palestine. And yet the black Christian element has this warped belief that somehow 
Jesus and God are tied up in what Israel is doing to the Palestinians. And yet they can't explain God's will in, in, except to say God gave them the land. Yet you can't find a bit of evidence that there was ever. Listen to me. Listen to me, please. And you will never hear anybody else tell you this again. You cannot find any evidence that there was ever slavery in Egypt. Less more 400 years, we, we, 400 years, we should be able to find Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We ain't found nobody but, 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 but Ramesses and Tutankhamun. And we got their bodies, we got their eyes, we got their DNA, we have their treasures, and they were before Moses. So how, how we got African gods and pharaohs who were here before Moses, but we ain't seen no evidence of Moses. And then they making land claims that God gave me this land. Well, what if, what if, what if Allah told Muslims that, that, that he gave them a land? Or what if, what if the devil told other people that's their land? In other words, the idea that God gave somebody land is popular amongst black Christians, but they cannot explain it in the modern political era. Even if that was true in 5,000 years ago, you got to explain Hitler. You can't have Moses and not explain Hitler. If you got Moses, you got to explain Hitler. If you chosen with Moses, explain Hitler. The chosen is something happens between chosenness and the show up. And, and it's, it's called a theodicy or theodicy, T-H-E-O-I, I'm sorry, T-H-E-O-D-I-C, theodicy. It's like Eob or Job, the story of the justice of God. Why did God let good things happen to bad people? And why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? That's called theodicy. And in the theodicy of God, the question is, how do you reconcile chosenness with Hitler? You can't, if God chose you, how do you explain Hitler? And did God choose you for Hitler? And that's some sickness. So you cannot have it both ways. At some point in European history, the Jewish uh, story has to be told in in its totality. And you cannot be claiming that God gave you some ancient land, and then Hitler happens, and then you wake up talking about God gave me some ancient land. No, Hitler is the interruption of anything God gave you. So when God gave you the original land, Hitler is, is the answer to that, and then you don't go after Hitler still saying God gave us the land. But that's what happened. After Hitler, call the American Jews turned on Jews, the European Jews, the European Jews turned on Jews. Do you know, Carl, it wasn't until the 1967 war, the 1973 war, that American Jews began to embrace Jews from, from, um, from the Middle East. The American Jews had zero interest in the Middle East until the 70s. That's when they began to use the Holocaust in the 70s. Forty years later, Americans began to embrace the Holocaust, and now I sound like an anti-Semite. Right now, a Jew hearing me says, oh, here's another black anti-Semite. But they will not admit to you the, the, the real history. And they will not explain to you how you get Moses and Hitler on the same continuum. And then after Hitler, you still talking about chosenness. 
Hold on, hold right there, Doc. We, we're right up against the clock. We're going to take a quick look at the traffic and weather. We've got some folks who want to talk to you as well, discussing what's going on how, in, in between Israel and Hamas and how it's going to affect uh, the elections. What are your thoughts, folks? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876, and we'll take your calls in four minutes right after the traffic and weather update and the news in Baltimore, right here on 1010 WOLB in Baltimore and also in the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL or information is power. And good morning again, family. Tune in after the top of the hour with black politics expert Dr. James Taylor. Dr. Taylor is explaining how the Israel Hamas issue is forcing many blacks to take positions. What are your thoughts? 800 450 7876. Dr. Taylor, we got people all across the country want to talk to you. So, people online, if you're just showing up on your question, Dr. Taylor, if you're showing up on the answers, we'll get all of everybody in. Let's start first on line one. Tyrone's calling from Baltimore. Tyrone, your question for Dr. Taylor. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I have a question. Um, uh, he made a lot of good points. It's like us going to Nigeria and, and saying um, we come from here, so we're tied to the land. You know, and we have been out of there in 2,000 years, only 400 years. And so we trace our, our ancestry back using DNA. So that's how ridiculous that is, <laughs> telling these people to get out of their homes. And we, this is our land now in Kenya and Nigeria. So, but But my question is, I agree, that, like Malcolm and, and Angela Davis, people like that. I agree that we can walk through through both of them at the same time. That that uh, Israel is an ethno nationalist. Have we lost Tyrone? Oh, okay. Oh, Doctor Taylor's here. Did you hear a question anymore? Tyrone was saying. I think we lost Tyrone. I got cut off, but I didn't, I didn't hear him. Okay, well, okay, because so, we've got a bunch of folks who want to talk to you, so we'll keep rolling that. Let's go to Buffalo. Uh, Bob's waiting for us. He's on line two. Bob, good morning. You're on with Dr. Taylor. Good day, gentlemen. It, it seems to me the major problem with uh, finding peace in the world is these European settler societies. And people need to remember that there are Afro Palestinians and Afro Israelis, Hebrew Israelites. Uh, my question is, how come there's no attention being paid to the atrocities that are happening in the West Bank, which is not part of Gaza, it's separate from Gaza, and is not under Hamas's uh, control? So I'm right. asking about why we don't pay attention to the atrocities in the West Bank. Yeah, Israel can't explain that. Israel cannot explain why it's going after Hamas in the West Bank when Hamas is, uh, does not control the West Bank. Israel's out of control. Um, Norm Finkelstein, whose parents and most of his relatives died in the, the Shoah, he's extremely critical of, of Israel and its claims. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's a Jew. And, and, and let's put, for the record, let's black American make sure we're clear that there's a difference between Judaism and the state of Israel under Netanyahu. Or, 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 or Menachem Begin, and we can be anti-Israeli state as a colonial settler state and still support the Jewish people and their claims to history if you believe it. Like, there's a lot of black Christians, ignorantly, that believe the Jews are God's chosen people when the Christians were supposed to replace the chosen. In other words, if, if, if anybody's chosen now, it's the Christians. They replace the Jews as God's chosen. 
But the Christians are so ignorant about what Jews are in their own story that they believe the Jews are still chosen. How the hell are you a Christian if the Jews are chosen? If the Jews are chosen, shouldn't you be Jewish? How the hell are you a Christian if the Jews are chosen? You cannot be a Christian and claim the Jews are still chosen because Jesus, along, uh, the claim is, replace that. The old has replaced the, the, the new has replaced the old. So how you a black Christian talking about the Jews and it call is so much ignorance amongst us that all we have to hear is God gave the Jews the lamb. And I guarantee you, if we sat in a church right now and talked to a bunch of black folk, half of them would spew out stupidity about how God gave them the land. And then they can't explain how Hitler fits in the continuum, and then they keep going back to God gave them a land. If God gave them a land, then Hitler changed the covenant relationship that the Jews had with God. Hitler, you cannot ignore, breaks the covenant that whatever God and Moses and Abraham had going on, when you get to Hitler, it's over. You're no longer chosen unless you were chosen for the Shoah. And that is deep. Were you chosen for death? No. So you don't get to have it uh, chosen this after Hitler. After Hitler, it's, free, it's a free fall. But you do not get to keep making ancient claims that God gave us this land in 1948 after Hitler in 45. And then, um, and, you know, and, and, and then, you know, again, Carl, if you study the history of the Jewish state, you'll see that it was just made up. By the by, you know, by the uh, by the British and the British washed their hands of Israel by 1955, within five years or so, seven years, the British wiped their hands of Israel and had nothing to do with it. And then we took it up under Truman and Truman was the first one in the world, I believe, to recognize Israel as a, as a state. The Americans did. And from that moment on, America uh, took up this issue. But sadly, the reason why America is so invested in Israel is, one, it's a a strategic outpost for Western imperialism in that region. The second is because everyday Christians stupidly believe that God gave somebody some land. How God going to give somebody some land on this little puny earth? Have you seen this little awful, puny, tiny, invisible earth when you're talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson and um, the, the, the galaxies, uh, our galaxies, and Andromeda, the Milky Way, and, and Andromeda? Right. Do you realize how much... But, Doc, let me jump in here, because, you know, one of the things that the, the, there's oil in that land. There's people don't talk about it between the Gaza Strip and, and Egypt. They find, and that's that's part of the, the backstory of, of why the, all this fighting is going on. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and we're both old enough to remember the 1972-73 OPEC oil crisis. Um, and, you know, Nasser, uh, you know, I think black folk have forgotten about Gamal Nasser. Uh, but Nasser was somebody who sent Malcolm X um, to the Middle East, way before Malcolm X used that story in his book, the, the Autobiography of Malcolm X, where he claimed he went to the Middle East and found the true Islam. Malcolm had been to Islam uh, to to Saudi Arabia in 1952 uh, or 57. He he held on to it. Malcolm did. And did not use it until 1963 or four when he broke with the nation of Islam. That's when Malcolm started talking about white Muslims. He saw him 10 years earlier. Malcolm did. 
but he saved it until he could use it politically against Elijah Muhammad, and he began to say, oh, uh, in 1964, I discovered there are white Muslims that I can sit down with and sleep next to and eat with and pray with, but Malcolm knew that before, but he sat on it. But be clear, Nasser um, used the Nation of Islam to embarrass the American CIA, and Malcolm and Elijah Muhammad both experienced what they call uh, baby, baby, um, you know, when they go back to the, to the land, um, they have, you know, the re- you know, they have these major returns, but then they have returns for people that are not fully Muslim or, or there's some adjacent reason why they don't let them go into Mecca to do a full Hajj. They get to do like a baby Hajj. And Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm were allowed to have these baby Hajjs because Nasser needed them politically uh, as a black American entity to embarrass the West. So, again, Malcolm X knew that there were white Muslims in the 1950s, but Malcolm did not say it until the 1960s. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, hold that thought right there. As I mentioned, we got a bunch of folks from across the country who want to talk to you. Let's go to line three. Robert's calling us. He's in Kansas City. Robert, good morning. You're on with Dr. Taylor. Yes, uh, Dr. Taylor, just a quick comment. I was thinking about Hosea 4 and 6 that says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And the question I ask myself is, who's more destroyed, black people in America or the uh, Jewish people over uh, in Israel? We, in this country... Uh, we lead the country in uh, homicides. We lead the country in incarceration. We lead the country in one-parent homes, high blood pressure. We, we've been stripped of our culture and our language and still subject to the, to, to the system that Dr. Fuller talks about. But when you go and look at the, uh, the Jews in Israel right now, they have their own government. They have their own military. They have their own economy. Who's more destroyed? We are the Jews over in Israel. All right. Let's respond. Right. Thanks, Robert. Dr. Taylor. Well, I, I think he, I, mean, I think he makes some great points. And uh, there's a strong current uh, since the Internet has come along where there's an advocacy that black people are the original people of America, that we were not brought here as slaves. We are the indigenous. Um, and and they reject the idea that we, um, you know, were somehow, uh, you know, inferior and they see in us Jewishness. There, there are many black people, the Hebrew Israelites um, who are Christians, um, they're strong advocates of it. And, and they at least try to help us see ourselves in the Old Testament as black people. And most black folk, you know, because they're Christians, have an orientation toward the New Testament. But the Hebrew Israelites try to show us throughout the um, the, the old covenant or the first covenant 
And I think there's some value to that because uh, we don't see ourselves. Um, we think that we're slaves and that we don't really matter to God. Um, but yet, if you study our history, um, even white theologians are admitting that there was something unique about black people who went from Africa, uh, who were brought to America, that there was something biblical about us. Why, why can't the Bible be about black America? You see what I'm saying? We're so slavish. We're willing to believe, even after Hitler killed six million, that they still chosen. But we're not willing to believe we chosen. How, why in the hell you believe somebody else is chosen, but you don't believe your people is chosen? And yet your people is the only example of what the Bible shows of 400 years of slavery. Show me another case in the world history where black people, where, where anybody was slaves for 400 years other than us. Show me, there was no Irish slavery. They were colonized for 700 years. They wasn't slaves. Nobody was slaves but us. So how in the hell Hold that thought right there, Doc. Uh, Let let me marinate on that. We got to take a short break. We got to check the traffic more than our different cities. I mentioned a bunch of folks want to talk to you from across the country. You want to join this conversation with Dr. Taylor? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, the black politics expert, Dr. James Taylor, discussing the Israel-Hamas issue. Dr. Taylor says he's forcing many blacks to take a position. What are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. We've still got a bunch of folks want to talk to you, Dr. Taylor, from across the country. So let me say this. Uh, questions, make a question short. And Dr. Taylor, if you can shut up on the answers, we'll get all these questions in for you. On line sure. four, we got Johnny calling us from Long Beach, California. Johnny, your question for Dr. Taylor. I uh, uh, call. Thanks for taking my call. Um, educate uh, education elevation. Now check this out, Doctor Taylor. Hamas is that is that a terrorist group? Uh, the Americans say so. The CIA says so. The uh, Joe Biden says so. I don't know if the Palestinians believe that. I think Hamas is something like the Black Panther Party. Um, I think Hamas uh, has a breakfast. Hamas. As long as it's doing militaristic things, I don't think it has the support of the people as much because of repercussions. But when they were doing civil society things like feeding the people, health care, food, like the Panthers did with the survival programs, that's when Hamas won the people over. And and remember, remember, J. Edgar Hoover said the Panthers threat was not the gun. The Panthers threat was breakfast and health care and sicker cell testing. When, when the Panthers were doing that, they won the people over. And Hamas won the people over early because they were meeting the needs of the people. And we forget, brother, Hamas was elected by the people in um, Gaza. Uh, and imagine this, brother and sister, Harlem. We didn't, as black folk, we didn't, lo- we didn't lost our love for Harlem. We used to all have a love for Harlem no matter where you were. We love Harlem spiritually. Imagine Harlem being bombed with 6,000 bombs in a week. Imagine all the black kids in Harlem being bombed, in the, let's say in the 70s or 60s when Harlem was thriving for black folk. That's what, that's what Gaza is. Gaza is like Harlem being bombed. It's, they bombing Harlem, y'all. They bombing Harlem. And, and we, 
we might be able to understand it better in that context that they're bombing a black neighborhood or a Palestinian neighborhood, not a Palestinian country. Right. Let me just throw this in because I want to move on because I got a bunch of folks for Johnny. Hamas was created by Israel. They created Hamas right. to, because they, they were, they were afraid of Palestinian PLO. They, they were concerned with the PLO had too much influence. Well, the Palestinian authorities now, they call themselves. Yeah, so, like they, so they created, created Hamas. This is some yeah. demonic stuff. They got yeah. us choosing sides when they created both sides. Yep. That's that's uh, that's chaos. They create both sides, then come up with the, with a solution. Anyway, we're gonna move on because we got, like I said, I got a bunch of folks want to get to you, Doctor Taylor. Sekou's on line five. He's calling from Baltimore. Sekou, your question for Doctor Taylor. Six line five. Sekou. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead, Sekou. Hey, listen, Doctor John Henry Clark told us in nineteen. 19- in the 1970s at the community college in Baltimore that anti-Semitism is a myth. He said the Semite label is a linguistic term. It is not a a racial designation. So we have to to accept that as a fact. It is not it's not a racial designation. It's a Linguistic designation. He also told us that we don't have a dog in that fight. Let them fight because we're going to have to fight the winner. The Arabs took that land from the Africans and the Europeans took it from the Arabs. That's Clark told us that we have to mind our own business and do what's in the best interest of African people wherever we are in the world because that's what the world is about. Every people on the planet is looking for a piece of land for them and theirs, their own people, their own kind. They're not banning for integration. They're not looking for integration. It's about every every race for itself and God for us all. Y'all have a nice day. All right. Thanks, Brother Seku. Dr. Taylor? Well, no, I just think, I think the brother's right. Um, you know, um, Israel... Is, is made up by the West, and it's the last aspect of European colonialism. It has to be understood in that context. You can't let the religion get in your way, and you can't let anti-Semitism as, as an accusation get in your way. You have to acknowledge that Israel as a state was created by England for colonial purposes of running that region and the oil, and, 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 and it's been a mess. There's no peace in the Middle East all my life. I'm in my 50s now, Carl. I ain't never seen peace in the Middle East. And yet everybody believing, everybody believing in the same God. Abraham, you know, the Muslims, the Christians, and the Jews all believe in Abraham. And yet they can't even sit in the same room with each other um, politically. Now, there are plenty of everyday Arabs, and I think many of the Christians in America who have this warped biblical interpretation that somehow chosenness is involved, they ignore the American Christians, the black American Christians, ignore that Christian Palestinians are being killed. They're not just going after the Muslims, they're killing Christian Palestinians. But most of us don't understand that there are different religions amongst a group of people in that region. So we think they're either Muslims or not. But the truth is there are many Christians there and they're being slaughtered along with Muslims in Gaza and in the West Bank. And again, 
There's no explanation for why Israel's involved in the West Bank because Hamas is not in the West Bank. It's just evil. And Netanyahu is quoting scripture now. In public speeches, he's talking about destroy them and, and wipe them from the earth and leave nothing left and kill their children and kill their babies kill their cattle. <clears throat> That's how Netanyahu's talking. He's talking... Yeah. You know, but, but you know what? Let me just throw this in there. And his son is is in Miami hanging out. His son his son has now gone into hiding because it was disclosed that he was hanging out with his girlfriends on Miami Beach. And then they, the, the Mossad came down and they they put him in, in in protective custody, if you will, if it was such a thing like that. But he's not over there fighting with with his his uh, his, his brethren, you know, his, his Israeli brothers and sisters. Right. He's here in the United States. So you got to think about what all this when you think about Netanyahu, Bibi Netanyahu. Think about why his son isn't fighting, especially for those folks who who. Uh, who have dual citizenship and went over there and, and fought. Some of them are really upset about that issue. But I mentioned we got, still got a lot of folks who want to talk to you at 28 after the top. They are Charlie Blue's up next. He's on line one. He's calling from Los Angeles. Charlie Blue, your question for Dr. Taylor. Hey, how are you doing this morning, Carl? Thanks for taking my call. Now, I'm kind of confused. Back when I was coming up, and I'm older than your guest, I'm in my 60s. And Palestine... Where is Palestine? And and then Israel wasn't, there wasn't no Israel. Am I, am I getting it wrong? And, there's, and, and, and when you say Jewish, is that, that's not a religion. That's a, a people. So, I'm, I'm so, 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 so I'm kind of confused, and I went here because, like I said, it used to be Palestine, and they turned it into Israel. Right, right, Am I right or wrong? Oh, let him explain. Thanks, Charlie Blue. He's Thanks for your call. Right. He, he's absolutely right, and that, and that's and that's the question: is how how did this happen? And I think somewhere between uh, the sponsorship of the British and then the Americans. Uh, in America, the religion is, that's where, see, Americans think religiously, theologically. And so they think of Israel in terms of theology, not international relations or politics. Most Americans think Israel is somehow connected to the Bible. Israel, the state that England created, is God's creation. And they can't prove it. They can't even argue the point. Um, Palestine was Palestine. And Israel took over in the same way the white man did in America. That's what you have to understand. In this case, Biden's policies are so upside down. They are so conflicting. It's scary how he and the secretary of state are trying to frame these two opposite situations or similar situations where we support the Ukrainians in Russia because they are oppressed, but we support the Israels, the Israelis in Palestine who is the oppressor. Israel is a government. The Palestinians have fireworks that they turned into rockets, like on 4th of July. That's what they do, and they send it over. And they've killed 10 people in 25 years. The, Pal the Palestinian rockets have killed 10 people in decades. And then Israel comes along and drops bombs and bombs, 6,000 bombs. Let, 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 Carl, let's conceive six bombs. Let's conceive 60 bombs. Let's try to put our heads around 600 bombs. 
But then imagine Israel went in there and dropped 6,000 bombs since October 7th, and they the victim. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's like, it's like Hitler claiming to be the victim. Netanyahu is a modern-day demon in the world. And this man's heart is full of darkness. And um, the way he's governing and leading, um, Israel cannot last another hundred years because Israel's um, not righteous. It's not, they think they're righteous because they have their Torah, they have the Pentateuch, they have their teachings, they have their own language, they have their own secret world, Jews do, and Israelis do. But you can't, yeah. you can't just be evil and expect to, to, to be happy. Israel's never had peace all my life. Right. I ain't never hold on, throw it there, Doc, because we want to move on to some of these calls. We've got a bunch of folks want to talk to you. 28 away from the top. They are Jay's in New York City. He's online, too. Jay, your question for Dr. Taylor. Hello? Yes, you're on the air, Jay. Listen, the reality is this. There's never going to be any type of peace in that situation. Netanyahu's sole mission is to commit genocide so that they could take over all of the land. It's bigger than this. The sad thing about it is that America is going to suffer the most for it because they were the ones who helped create the madness. Now, what it boils down to really is when Biden comes to being reelected, because of this madness and his inability to decipher, like Dr. Taylor said, between Ukraine, Palestine, and Israel, he's going to wind up not being reelected. And then you're going to have this madman in office with total yep. vengeance for those who came against him and it's gonna cause all type of havoc in this country and when it's all said and done israel is gonna kill as many palestinians as they can and get away with it because the world stage is not gonna do anything to them and here it is this country is gonna be in total dismay and then you're gonna have what really happens other nations are gonna be able to control and manipulate what's going on because the one thing y'all not talking about and nobody's really talking about you know this is really all about being able to control trade right 
to be able to go. Right. And, and Jay, hold, hold that thought there. I'll let you finish that thought on the other side. But we got to take a quick break and take our last look at the news, traffic, and weather. Our guest is Dr. James Taylor. He's a political scientist out of the University of San Francisco. We're talking about the Israeli-Hamas conflict and its impact on the black community. What are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL or information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with Dr. James Taylor. Dr. Taylor's a black politics expert. This morning discussing the Israeli Hamas issue and its impact on the black community here. What are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. Before we go back to Jay in New York, let me just remind you, coming up in the next few days, you're going to hear from a journalist, Brother Obi, giving us an update on Asada Shakur. As you know, she's in exile in Cuba. Also, a clinical psychologist, Dr. Edwin, Dr. Edwin Nichols over here is going to talk about the impact on Artificial intelligence on the black community. Also, Professor Griff from Public Enemy will join us. And Neely Fuller Jr. will also be here before the week's out. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Jay, New York City, can you finish your question for Dr. Uh, yeah, Taylor? Let me, let, me, let me just say what the real issue is about this whole situation. And people need to look into this and investigate this. This is about the Suez Canal and the Ben-Gurion Canal. Now, you know the Suez Canal goes one way for six hours, the other way for six hours, which reflects trade. The Ben-Gurion Canal is now being built right there where Palestine is at, which will allow more free trade. And there's a fight in regards who's going to control the Ben-Gurion Canal. And China, Russia, and all of these other major players, the BRICS, want control, and America and the want control also. And this is all about that. And the sad thing is that the Palestinians are being wiped off the planet of the Earth. But I'll leave you with this. Let's watch how this plays out, because in the end, America is going to be the one who suffer for this. Take care, Dr. Taylor. Thank you. And and, and I have no real response for that. I I mean, I'm I'm listening and learning, Um, so I won't even respond. But I think, you know, again, we have to realize the colonial aspects of Israel, the colonialism implicated. It's like the last stage of African colonialism but not over Africans, but over Palestinians. And the, the Palestinians and the Jews are first cousins. They're the same people. They're the same race. They're not a different race from each other. They're the same people, they first cousins, and the Palestinians welcomed the original Jews, as did Uganda under Idi Amin. And, and then the Jews, after 1963, and then 73 with Golda Meir, uh, Nixon helped Golda Meir with these um, uh, airlifts that helped the Israelis in 73. And they continued to encroach. And these biblical claims, these God claims, these God claims is what allowed them to continue to encroach. And again, Netanyahu has the Bible on his tongue right now. And there are black Christians sitting back saying amen to a demon. But it's just like Trump. When the devil showed up, it amazed me that all the white Christians supported the devil. And that's Trump. 
And, and so I'm not surprised that there's a lot of ignorance, uh, ignorance with black preachers teaching their people that Jews are chosen today in the 21st century, as if that's not racist. It is racist to say God chose you over other people. And there ain't no evidence God chose you in the artifacts, in the archaeology, in the dirt. We got King, we got King Tut. We got Ramesses, but we can't find no evidence of what you claim, which is God chose you. And yet black Christians will open the Bible, point to Exodus, Genesis, Deuteronomy, and start talking about, here it is right here. Here, this is Israel. Well, just because it's called Israel in the Bible and Israel in 1948, don't make it the same damn thing. I can call, I can call myself Malcolm X right now. Am I Malcolm X? Because I say I'm Malcolm X. So how do I get to be chosen in the 21st century because I say I'm chosen? I can't say I'm Malcolm. You wouldn't let me say I'm Malcolm. So how do I get to be chosen way after the period of chosenness? And again, if there's chosenness, you got to explain Hitler. And then you don't get to continue to be chosen after Hitler. Because Hitler dispelled chosenness unless God chose the people for the Shoah. And that is evil. That would make God evil if he chose Jews to punish in front of the world with Hitler. And that would make Hitler God's um, servant. And nobody agrees with that. So, again, if you look at what's happening in popular culture right now, Joy Reid, Mark Lamont Hill, Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, Umar Johnson, um, all of these black intellectuals and public intellectuals are being forced to take a position. Mark Lamont Hill... I have a problem with that brother because him and Cornell West think everybody is our brother and sister. I cannot, Cornell West gets on my nerves because every time Cornell West opens his mouth, he calls everybody brother. He calls Donald Trump and DeSantis his brothers. He will call Hitler his brother. Cornell West will call Hitler his brother. Yes, he will. Cornell West calls everybody his brother to the point where it's useless to be Cornell West's brother or sister, because everybody is his brother or sister. So it ain't even special. But Cornel West, Mark Lamont Hill, he got fired from CNN for taking a pro-Palestinian position. And I know there's Palestinians over there listening to Public Enemy and there's a rap groups over there, you know, using hip-hop. Uh, there's a little boy going around on Instagram that they keep showing. But, Carl, what, what does being a black man in America have to do with being Palestinian? And what does being Palestinian have to do with us? Right? We are the Negroes or the ends of the world. The Palestinians, when the, if they could resolve this problem with Israel, they would go right back to calling us the N-word. So the Palestinians don't love black people. They, why are we loving them and they don't love us back? Why, why are we dying on, why, why did Mark Lamont, why is Mark Lamont Hill dying on a, on a Palestinian hill? And that's what Nathan, uh, Ju, uh, um, Dr. Julia Hare, the late wife of, of Nathan Hare. She's on Instagram right now uh, being you know, looped. And in her speech, uh, Dr. Julia Hare, and y'all know she was amazing and dynamic. She was like, we, ain't got no, we have no friends and we have no enemies. She said, we have no, she said, everybody know their enemies except us. She says, the Jews know who their enemies are. The Arabs know who their enemies are. You know, everybody knows who their enemies are except black America. We live with our enemy. 
And our enemy has convinced us that we are them. But the, the reality is that we have um, our own interests. And our interests do not reconcile with the Palestinians or the Israelis any more than it does with the Ukrainians or the Russians. I hope both the Russians and the Ukrainians lose, Carl. I hope they both lose. And I hope the Palestinians and the Israelis lose. Because it has nothing to do with... Look, they've given $200 billion to these people. And I'm on the reparations committee in San Francisco, and I ain't got... I can't get a word from the city council. I can't get a word from the black woman mayor of San Francisco. I can't get a word from the black mayor of New York City. New York State now has reparations program. We got all these reparations programs going on all around the country. And Joe Biden and no Democrat outside of Cori Bush is willing to support black reparations. But y'all sending billions to, to, to racists. The Ukrainians, if you remember, Carl, when Ukraine first blew up, the first thing that happened was they put the Africans on the front line and said, you got to stay here and you can't leave. And it wasn't until African countries rose up and told the Ukrainians, let my people go, like in the Bible, and they let the, they let the Africans go. But let's remember, the Ukrainians are fascists, and the Russians um, are what, you know, a, a, a Putinists, but we don't have a dog in that fight. We don't have a dog in the fight of Palestine or Israel. We don't have a dog in the fight of Ukraine or Russia. But our black intellectuals, many who are being paid, continue to tell us we should have a position on Russia. We should have a position on Ukraine. We should have a position on Israel. But the truth is, we have our own concerns. Our concerns are black survival in America. And what is Palestine doing for us? What is Israel doing for us? What is Ukraine doing for us? What is Russia doing for us? We should be concerned about us. All right. Ten away from the top. Some more folks want to talk to Dr. Taylor. Gene's on line three. Gene's calling from Pikesville in Maryland. Gene, good morning. You're on with Dr. Taylor. Uh, yeah, good morning, Dr. Taylor. Good morning, Cole. Yeah, uh, Dr. Taylor, we, we, I, I hear you talking about the Nazis, um, you know, basically the Germans. and But um, wouldn't... Do, do would you agree that the uh, the Saxons, you know, what, you know, don't we have to define what a Saxon is, and the Knights Templar, and, and you know, so in other words, like when we talk about the English creating the uh, state of Israel, they're created by uh, people who are derived from dramatic people, right? I mean, I don't know, I, I can't think of an, another way to do it. I don't, you know, I hear people talk a lot of times about you know, Anglo-Saxons. I don't think we really truly understand what an Anglo is and what a Saxon is. And then the other thing, too, is the connection in reference to the uh, 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 the, the, the Vatican in reference to 12th century, I guess it was 12th, 13th century, uh, the French, uh, you know, controlling the Vatican, and then subsequently, again, the Saxons controlled the, uh, the Vatican, you know, through, through England and France. He, yeah. he, you know, again, and, and Gene, in the interest of time, I'm going to give him a chance to respond. Oh, yeah, no, going I'm down. just saying, this reference yeah. to uh, shouldn't we have a better understanding of what an Anglo is, what a Saxon is, and uh, you know, and who truly are you know who, Germans, right. and the English are Germans. All right, thanks, Gene. No, no, I, th I think you. I think that's a great question, and that's bound up in European history. You know, the Tudors and uh, the Windors or Windsors. And, um, you know, the idea that the European created that they were chosen and that they were special. And Saxonism 
is like Jewishness. It's a claim to chosenness, that God chose the white man. God chose the Jew over all human beings. And what is really twisted is many people don't know that America, with its idea of American exceptionalism, in the history of the claims of Israel and God and chosenness, America replaces Israel. America, y'all not listening to me. America, in, its, in the story of American exceptionalism, America becomes the new Israel. America has said Israel no longer matters. America is new Israel. We are the chosen nation. That's what America believes. America believes God broke the covenant with the Jews and God set up a covenant with Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. That's what Americans believe, but they don't even know they believe that anymore. Americans are so ignorant with education now, they don't even know that the Americans replaced the Jews in the story of chosenness. And America thinks that God chose it over all other countries on the earth today. So whatever the Jews were in the Bible, that's what America says it is today. Chosen. A chosen nation amongst nations. And so I think we have to understand, you know, Israel's founding is like American Indians. You know, America came, took the land, killed the people, made God claims. Israel took the land, killed the people, and they made God claims. But so did Hitler. So did um, King Leopold in, 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 in Belgium. All of the devils of the world have made God claims. And, 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 and yet somehow black Christians who are listening will open their Bible and see Israel in, 19, in 2023 is Israel in uh, 2000 B.C. Or, or, right. or 1000 B.C., rather, you know, um, or, or A.D., rather. Yeah, yeah B.C., B.C. So, it, so it's amazing to me, Carl. You have James Baldwin said, and Malcolm said, be careful, because they'll have you rooting for the victim. I mean, they'll have you rooting for the criminal and rooting against the victim. If you're not careful, that's what Malcolm told us in his own words. And James Baldwin, Baldwin said, they got you rooting for the, the Cowboys and Gary Cooper, and then you realize the Indians are you. That's what Baldwin yeah. says. You realize right. the Palestinians are you. And, and we and got Andy down that note, Doc. We just flat out of time, but Kim, wow. No, so I many people it, are Carl. trying. Thank you. No, so many people are trying to get at you with questions. And so I I'm, I'm, I'm appreciate the fact that you were on and answered a lot of questions uh, to the audience for the audience. Uh, and we'll have to pick it up again or do something else the next time. We'll see how it plays out because uh, this story is not going to end today or tomorrow. Thank you again, Dr. Taylor. Folks, how can you uh, they follow you, Dr. Taylor? Uh, uh, James Taylor, 1699 on um, uh, Instagram. Again, I, I want to say two quick things. Ireland has been on the right side of this issue. Listen to the Ireland, the Irish leadership, Ireland's uh, Congress, Ireland's Parliament. They are speaking out boldly. Um, uh, and, and also um, thank Kathy Hughes for this platform and for giving us the opportunity to allow black people to think through these issues that are very complicated and difficult and emotional. And they ask that they, they putting us on the plank saying, Hey, Negro, what's your position on Israel and Palestine? And the Carl Nelson show is saying to you all, you don't have to take a position. You ain't right. got no dog in this fight. Stay neutral. Right. And uh, we got to run. We flat out of time. Folks, we're out of here. Stay strong, stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, six o'clock right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. Also, 
also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.